Good evening, everyone, and welcome to another edition, Round 23 Robbery edition of the Weekend Wrap, brought to you by Crowcast, of course. I don't even know how we're going to get through this. Uh, everyone who's joined us on YouTube and Discord uh, and who's listening to us during the week on any of those platforms, oh, I, I, this is just a therapy session. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know how else to describe it. And uh, joining me on the couch tonight, Maka, how are you going? Uh, very much the same as you, Fiend. I've uh, let a few Fs out here before we started, so I won't say I'm on the show. And maybe an FB here or there, but, you know, uh, not very happy, actually. I'll say last night was probably one of the most disappointing nights ever, ever I've had in football. Certainly for a while, uh, absolutely. And look, thanks to everyone who's joined us on uh, Discord. We've got uh, a nice, healthy audience going there. And also thank you to everyone who's listening in on or watching us on YouTube as well. Uh, I dare say we might have a record attendance tonight. <laughs> yeah, we could well have had them. I know that most of them out there would be feeling very much like we did, Fiend. Um we had a bloody goal umpire. He gave a decision. He thought he heard a noise. Oh, I had to stop myself. It was really a lot of swearing then. Um, so, sure, we've got to do more than just hear a noise. Christ. Let, let's let's uh, let's get the uh, niceties out of the way first, so we can crack straight into this because. Um, the vision that was on Twitter this afternoon, there's absolutely no way that he heard anything, uh, let alone saw anything. Anyway, let's move on. Let's get into the weekend's results, first of all, Maka, shall we? Um, just so that we can get that out of the way, because uh, no one really cares. <laughs> well, it's a calming influence, and we'll put them all to sleep while I do get through it. And... That's right. But, uh... and I'll give, every, give everyone a chance to join us. <laughs> and, of course, tonight, I'm sure, I'm sure there are some people that want to kick off. We're here for you, Crows fans. We're here for you. So um, use this as your therapy session. Come on, vent, scream. You're not going to get censored. <laughs> <laughs> let's all let's all try and help each other get through this, shall we? <laughs> all right, but first of all, Mac, let's talk about the weekend's results. And it started on whoops, what the hell am I doing? Here we go. Friday night, it's, mate. Started on Friday night with uh, the Lions pressing their claims for a grand final berth with a twenty-four point win over Collingwood at Marvel Stadium, um, and. Uh, Collingwood just wobbling a bit with their injuries and all the rest of it. Um, and Brisbane uh, are a percentage away from top spot at the moment. Yep, no Dacos, no Moore, no uh, Dugowie, no Bobby Hill, no Collingwood. You know, apart from a four-goal burst in the third quarter, they didn't show much at all, really. Uh, I thought Brisbane controlled the game uh, all day except for that one burst. Um, McInerney dominated the rucks. Renil was very good round the pack. Cameron kicking goals up forward. Collingwood are just only just travelling at the moment, see? And as you say, yeah. Brisbane's, Brisbane's very close to getting top spot. 
not yeah, not riding off Collingwood by any stretch at the moment. No, uh, but only Saturday, oh, sorry, go on. Um, Saturday we had Richmond getting up over North Melbourne. Richmond one hundred one to North seventy two margin there of twenty nine points. Yeah, Richmond got a. Uh, uh, second quarter burst of seven goals and that was sort of the game really North Melbourne they, they did try very hard and they played some good football at times Sheasel is an outstanding young player I'd love to have him at the Crows he just knows where the football's going to be very very good and Taron Thomas a great, he's a great player you know he had a little bit of trouble in his private life but he can play footy and Larky up forward's very good but uh, I know Martin turned the clock back um, I thought he was finished but he played a very good game indeed and uh, I wouldn't be surprised to see him join uh, his ex-coach up, up at uh, the Gold Coast. Anyhow, bye-bye to uh, Ruben and Cotchen, thank God. Yeah, that's that's the chatter with Martin, uh, that he might just go up and uh, have a bit of a holiday on the Gold Coast with his good mate Damien Hardwick, so uh, watch that mm. space. Um, then we had Carlton getting over the line over Suns. Suns really should have won that game. Uh, Carlton, pardon me, the beneficiary of a pretty... Weird descent call at one stage there. Um, can't buy four points. Yeah, nine in a row for the boys, but I agree with you. I thought the Gold Coast uh, blew their opportunities uh, and that unfortunate free, as you were talking about. Um, yeah, they were seven goals up early, uh, uh, the Gold Coast, but the Blues gradually wore them back. Uh, Anderson actually had a chance with, uh, it was about 35 seconds to go. He had a chance from 45 metres out to kick a goal, which would have put them in front and probably won the game. He didn't. And they lost. Um, yep. But I will say this, that Harvick's got a fairly good crew coming up there with a pretty good midfield. Yeah, he's got a bit to work with. And uh, they're, they're, I reckon it's the first time since their inception that they're actually playing like a football club, Mac. Yeah, I have to agree with that. All right, speaking of which, uh, the Giants absolutely destroyed Essendon. Um Game was over by a quarter time, really. Giants in the end, 126 points, and Essendon have not fired a shot since they beat us at Marvel, and uh, their their fans would be terribly disappointed with that. Look, how the hell do we ever get beaten by that spineless, heartless, ragtag team? Seriously. They, they were a heap of crap. They were slaughtered by our Wolves, 120 points, 126 points. They were hopeless. GWS... They're, they've got their game going and they've got Hogan got nine goals, Tom Green got 39 possessions and all the other mids had a picnic, but what a spineless, heartless mob they are at Essendon. There's something wrong with that club. Well, there was some vision showed on the Sunday footy show. Um, might have been Corns, it might have been Lloyd, I can't remember, but um, uh, they just weren't trying. They weren't That's trying. What... They weren't picking up their players. They weren't running into position. They were, what a rabble. That was my point, Bean. There's something wrong drastically with them. Uh, uh, anyway, uh, St Kilda hitting good form at a good time of the year, uh, getting up by 33 over Geelong, who are now out of it um, at Marvel. What would you give to give a Marshall in our side? What a magnificent ruckman that guy is. I mean, he's, he doesn't just tap the ball. The guy had something like 29 possessions, I don't know what he had, some, some huge number of possessions and... He dominates the game and he feeds his midfielders and they just fed off him. Um, Geelong, well, the old pensioners, they've, they've hung onto their pensioners and they kept playing and it was, the day was going to come when, you know, the arthritis got them and they just couldn't go on anymore. 
I don't think we're either of us are in a position to talk about arthritis, Mike. Well, surprisingly, I haven't got anything. <laughs> I got some of my little finger. Um, yeah, uh, yeah, it'll be interesting to see what Geelong do with their list, actually, because um, it does need a bit of a regen. You would have thought. Um, yeah. And uh, I think their players. I mean, let's be honest; they've been up for a long, long time. That club. And yep. uh, they're probably due for a little bit of a downswing. So uh, good luck to them. Uh, and then today, for God's sakes, if it wasn't bad enough what happened to us last night, the Eagles get up over bloody Western Bulldogs, which would have given us two opportunities to get into the eight. The Eagles by seven points, 92 to 85. And you've got to ask the question, Is like there's been absolutely no media about this, but surely Luke Beveridge must be under the pump at that club. Uh, well, you're selling me lines there, Fiend. I, you know, to lose to West Coast. And West Coast, in doing that, when uh, they've thrown away pick number one, which um, if I was the West Coast of fourth, I'd be quite annoyed about, actually. It's one of those times you don't want to win this close to the end of the season. Um, but anyway, they, they, were, they were too good. They just worked a lot harder. And when you look at the fact they had Bontempelli absolutely, well, they, they did shadow him the first half and kept him pretty quiet, but he exploded in the second half. And, you know, they've got a Ruckman that uh, was absolutely dominating. But their style of play is a disgrace, in my opinion. When you look at the type of, the quality of their team, they have this thing that they love to overhand ball and they love to go around the boundaries and the, and to me, they just underperform 100% from what they should be doing. And I, I agree with you. I think Beveridge is, he doesn't look like he's got any answers for me. Well, I just feel like they play the game in such a way that it's just give it to the next guy. It's, yeah. There's no system. It's just give it to the next guy. Um, and, you know, they're quick and they're, they're, they've got good hand skills and all the rest of it, but they've just got no system whatsoever. And and West Coast, they kept their shape. They played well through the middle. Um, Kelly was fantastic through the middle. Uh, Match Bontempelli, particularly uh, in that last quarter, uh, willed them over the line. I don't even think he came off the ground in that last quarter, Kelly. Um, uh, they need a real coach, Western Bulldogs. Otherwise, they're going to blow this list. I agree with it, 100%. I mean, they have got a good list. It's not... Um but the trouble, they, 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 you know, they've got a fantastic midfield. But the problem is, as you say, they like to give it to the next guy, give it to the next guy, but up forward, this guy, people leading to positions all the time are being ignored, and by the time the, next, the, the final guy is ready to kick it, there's nobody to kick to. Yeah, and that, let's face it, they've got a couple of good pins up there in Norton and uh, Lobb. Uh, Lobb actually played all right, but... Uh... Yeah, anyway, uh, the next game, Melbourne in a uh, fairly hard-fought game, 87-60, 27 in the end, um, sealing their top four berth, obviously, and uh, all to play for next week for that club. I look, the Hawks have got a future, there's no doubt about that, and they, they did a very good job, and they shut down Oliver, and they shut down Petrarca in the first half, and they were right in the game. Um, and they did that much for them virtually three quarters, but, uh, you know, Oliver and Petrarca got off the chain a bit the last quarter. Um, it's interesting how um, Melbourne handled the one-ruck situation that uh, Gordon did most of the rucking. When he tied, he dropped back behind the play and let a, an on-ball or, or a small go up, uh, very much like Paul had been doing, um, you know, with uh, 
but a player rather than playing a ruckman, playing a more mobile type player, and, and it actually worked for them. It worked quite well. So you have to wonder whether you do, whether you do really do need two ruckmen. Yeah, I don't know. Well, I, I think it depends on the quality of the ruckman. I think certainly. Uh, oh, I don't know. We'll talk about that a bit later. Um, and in the last game, uh, it was. Uh, Port Adelaide doing what they needed to do. I didn't watch this game, Max. 16-point winners in the end to Frio, against Frio, I should say. Well, I thought it was an unimpressive win by Port Adelaide, quite frankly, um, because I know it's played on Frio's home ground, but and, you know, Frio played reasonably well, but um, I, I thought that Port, they they struggled to really get on top. They, they, they were a little bit too good, um, but... To me, um, they'd be happy to get the win, quite frankly. They would be happy to get the win. Uh, Butler's absolutely outstanding, and he would have got three uh, Brownlow votes. Paul Francis showed, uh, not consistently, but he showed some brilliant moments in the game. And, uh, yeah, I think uh, I think Paul uh, did find a bit of form today because they did get very, very good opposition from Frio, and they had to fight for it. So it'll help them. It'll help them. Which brings us to the ladder. Uh, Collingwood on 68, um, Brisbane on 64 with Port, but Brisbane, if they win next week and uh, against St Kilda and Collingwood are playing... Collingwood playing... I've forgotten. Um, oh, I've forgotten who Collingwood are playing. Anyway, it's certainly uh, not a not a laydown for Collingwood, so Brisbane's still in with a shot. Uh, Port also uh, look to have... Oh, I mean, they've got to win next week to... Shore up um, a top three, uh, and then Melbourne four. Carlton in the eight on 54. Uh, St Kilda also in on 52. Sydney Swans, I don't want to talk about. Uh, gifted a final spot on 50. And uh, GWS Giants, as a consequence, still fighting uh, on 48. They need to win next week uh, to be sure. Um, and if they lose, then the Bulldogs, you would think, would still have a chance, although they're going to play Geelong at the Cattery. So on yesterday, on today's form, they're probably not likely. Uh, and then uh, we've got Essendon mathematically, but not really. Geelong out of it, Richmond out of it, Crows out of it, Frio, obviously, Suns, uh, Hawthorne, West Coast coming off the bottom with that win. North Melbourne likely to uh, win Harley Reid. Mm. Do you reckon? Uh, I reckon the Haw- I reckon uh, the Eagles um, know that Reed doesn't want to be in WA and thought stuff it. We might as well try. Well, look, there's a very good chance that that's true, and um, yeah, uh, and where's that? They'll, they'll probably have some local lad hanging around around that uh, pick two situation. They, they always seem to be able to find a good one uh, locally. So yeah, mm. I don't think they're all they're all that all that upset. No. All right. Um, so that's the nice stuff out of the way. As I said, thanks to everyone who's we've got 30 in Discord chat tonight, Mac. Uh, surely there's probably a few people who would like to have a say or have a vent. Uh, so stick your hand up. I noticed Gatesy's there already. Um, yeah. And uh, if you're watching us on YouTube, we've got about 85 on YouTube at the moment. If any of you aren't on Discord and want to have a chat tonight, the Discord link, I think, is in the description there or else it's in our socials, so get around it. Otherwise, of course, we can see all your chats on the screen as we go through Macca. 
11.874, Adelaide 10.13.73, a margin of one point. Yeah, look, look, I thought we'd put up a very pathetic first half, to be honest. Um, uh, we didn't, I thought we would have come out breathing fire and smoke and all the rest of it. And we, you know, we come out like pussycats compared to Sydney. And they, they controlled us for the first uh, half of the game. And um, in the third quarter, you just got this feeling that all of a sudden we were starting to get interested in playing in the game and uh, wanting to, to give it all. And, uh, and then the last quarter, as we know, uh, we dominated the last quarter. I think we had uh, 12 shots for goal, which we kicked, uh, according to the scoreboard, 4-8, which really should be 5-7. But it wasn't, and uh, as a result of that, uh, with 70 seconds to go, with that infamous uh, kick from Keys, which was a goal, and given by a port supporting umpire. Uh, no, he's a well, I'm he's my he's mate. Def- no, no, no. He's my, definitely a crow supporter. My mate's daughter works with him, and he, she reckons he, he's a port supporter. Well, I've heard from about three different sources that he's a crow supporter. Well, my support, my source is pretty close, but I can only go by that. But I don't know. I'm not definitive, so it, it. I mean, it shouldn't fucking matter, should it? No, it shouldn't. And coming back to the thing that I didn't like, what I didn't like, that he made his decision. So he said he heard a noise. Now, you've got a set of eyeballs in your head. Everybody's got a set of eyeballs. If he looked up, and he he would have seen that it never hit the post. And to say that he heard a noise. And then if any umpire worth his goal, umpire worth his salt, would have been searched down, called the uh, field umpire in there, uh, I heard a noise, I wonder whether it hit the post. And then well, we would have had, Mac- it, would have got, it would have gone in and it would have been checked and it would have been given a goal. Macker, I'll play this vision through in full speed and then I'll play it in slow-mo. Uh, but in full speed... Just tell me if you reckon the umpire could have heard anything. <laughs> no. Umpire's not hearing anything there, right? No. Umpire's not hearing anything there. No, he's not. And he so and this is actually a really good angle because it actually is almost. And you actually, we, if you look at where the umpire is, a lot of people have said, oh, he's in the perfect position. He actually he wasn't. wasn't. He was he too know, far he to the yes. Too far to the left. He should have been further to the right. And this angle here is actually the perfect angle. So let's just watch it in slow-mo. So look where the umpire is. He's actually moving when the ball comes through. He's actually moving. That, that actually that actually proves beyond any possible doubt. And, you know, the AFL have confirmed it, and they say sorry, and what does that do for us? What does a, an apology do for us? It doesn't. It doesn't. Let's just watch this again. There's absolutely no way that he could have missed that. And there's enough contention. There's enough contention in that decision that it should have gone for a review. Exactly. In fact, if he was really a good goal on by, he would have seen that it didn't hit the post, and he wouldn't have even be wouldn't have had to have a review. It's not so you can see it didn't hit the post. Yeah. Now I don't want to vilify the umpire 
uh, I do. as much. Well, I don't because it's a game in the end. And I could imagine at the moment he'd be struggling, right? I like I don't so, care about him. Yeah, well, Maka, I do. And it's a policy of this podcast that we don't vilify people. So I'm quite happy to criti- I'm quite happy to be critical of his decision and of his process and all the rest of it. But well, that's what I I've done. Won't... hang on. I'm also talking to the people in the chat. I'm I'm not going to tolerate any personal abuse. Okay. Uh, that being said, um, the umpires come out today and said that. Uh, sorry, the AFL's come out today and said he won't be umpiring for the rest of the season, which is a big deal. It's round twenty three, <laughs> so it's not yeah. it's not missing out on much. Um, but what the AFL haven't done is address the bigger issue, uh, which is the fact that this wasn't referred. Um, it wasn't reviewed as a matter of course. And it was left up to one umpire. When my understanding is that um, my understanding is that the field umpire has the has the right or has the authority to also call for a review. And so, yes, the umpire, the goal umpire, made a call wrongly. What was the um, what was like? We got nine hundred and thirty field umpires on the ground now. One of them didn't think. Oh shit! We might have to go and have a look at that one. It's worse than you think, Sabine, because you're quite on the ball because I was going to go there. You've got a situation where Kiwis has a shot for goal. It goes through and the crowd is going berserk, absolutely cheering and screaming. The players are going berserk. They've all yep. run over to Kiwis to congratulate him. And you've got one guy who pats the post and puts his finger out. Now, surely, if you're a field umper, you think, hang on, that, that must be a bit of doubt about that, surely, because they're celebrating as if they've got it. The whole lot of them, not one, the whole team celebrating. And that every, those field umpires, at least one of them or more, should have had this common sense to say that because, uh, poor review on, uh, on, the, uh, on that particular incident because... Um, you don't get. You don't get. Sometimes you get one or two players carry on, but you don't get the whole team doing that. So, any umpire with his salt would have thought there must be something in that. Let's have a look at it. Oh, absolutely, no doubt about it. it. We're talking about a minute and a half to go, game on the line, season on the line. The umpires know damn well what's on the end of this game. Um, you know, to me, there's not enough training, or there's. No, there appears to me that the umpires aren't trained enough for this circumstance. And you, you talk about uh, football players, they get taught how to run down the clock, they get taught how to slow the game down, they get taught to defend in close situations when there's only a couple of minutes left. This is part of the umpire's job. How, how to adjudicate correctly and accurately in a tight situation when the crowd's going crazy and there's a lot of on the line. They should they they should be taught and trained how to respond in those circumstances. And surely one of those circumstances is if there's a contentious decision, it goes upstairs. Well, you know, that's common sense without any training, mate. You know, as I said, it we, you had that abnormal situation where uh, Keys kicks the ball. He's, he's celebrating to the crowd, and all our players are rushing over there. So yep. it's not just one or two players. It's a, this is a very abnormal scene. So you've yep. got to think to yourself, hang on, what's going on here? He's called a point, and they're all yep. thinking it's a goal. So let's yep. have a look at it. 
I mean, just that's just plain common sense. You don't have to be taught that to think that. Well, no, but you have to be trained to be clear-headed in those circumstances, right? That That's where the training comes in because this is a high-pressure situation for an umpire or for a group of umpires, and in order for them to be able to be clear-headed in those moments, they need to practice those moments. And it just... It, there was no cohesion between the umpires at all. The officiating field umpire didn't for one moment question the umpire. Uh, we've seen other instances during the season where the field umpires come up to the goal umpire and said, are you sure? Um, you know, this is well, one of those circumstances. This is one of those know. circumstances where that should have occurred. Um, so it's not just the umpire, the goal umpire who made the decision, who got it wrong. It's the entire process. And for Gillian McLaughlin to come out today and say it was a human error and basically dump it all on the goal umpire and not address the bigger issue, which is how does the AFL coach and prepare umpires for these sort of situations and what are they going to do about it in the future, um, just didn't just didn't address it. Um, is beyond me. Yeah, look, I, I'm i glad that we did sail off the other way, you know, because I've moderated quite a bit now, otherwise there would have been F flying everywhere. But um, <laughs> quite seriously, Fiend, quite seriously, it, it is just a common sense situation. And as I say, it was such an abnormal situation where, where and then he reckons he heard a noise. You don't... You've got eyeballs as well. You've got, it's got to go. He, if he heard a noise, he should have. Be, he should be calling a review. But then again, what happened after that? The umpires, central umpires, they should be calling a review. And it's just why is it that when there is something absolutely crazy and wrong about AFL football, it's always to the crows. It always seems to be to the crows. Against Collingwood, we get an apology. Something, Maka. Thing, thing yeah. about hearing something, Maka. A, we just proved that he couldn't have heard anything and B, in the unlikely event that he did, the ball sailed a metre over the padding. So, like, you hear something, but you can see with your own eyes that the ball has sailed a metre over the padding. It hasn't deviated at all, even though he reckons he saw it deviate, and that's because he was in the wrong position, right? He was completely in the wrong position. He, he reckons he heard something. I don't reckon that's true. He reckons he saw a deviation... Well, he may have, but from the wrong position and with the ball spinning the way that it was, that could be easily mistaken. But at the end of the day, the fact that the bloke didn't even... It didn't even occur to him. It didn't even occur to him in such a tight situation to send it up for a review is either utter arrogance or a complete brain fart. I'm, I'm willing to concede it's probably the latter, um, but that's where training comes into it. Yeah, totally agree. And look, I, I think it was um, I agree with you. It, I am dirty on him, but I'm also dirty on the central umpires because they 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 could have controlled that situation and should have controlled that situation. Absolutely, they're the officiating umpires. Now, Gacy's been waiting for a while, and we are live and interactive tonight, and we are getting around each other and giving ourselves a group therapy session. So, Gacy, fire off. Good evening, boys. Good evening, Gatesy. I hope you're going to swear, mate. If you don't, you're going to let us down. Oh, dude. So I was at the game, and it was the best moment of my life when he kicked that. And then I just 
I'm in the Western Stand, the members, and I just see that what's his name? I don't know the umpire's name, but he We're just hit, hitting the pad, and I thought, oh, how? I didn't, you know, it didn't look like it hit the post. And then, you know, they just play on the Sydney team play on, and all our players are off celebrating with keys. So I'm just thinking, well, what's happening? Slow down. I'm. It's the loudest I've booted in an AFL game. Mate, look, you're doing all you're doing is confirming what we've been saying because you're now you're adding to it the crowd. We, we were talking about um, uh, they should have done by should have realised with the reaction of the players, but also the reaction of the crowd. I mean, the crowd went berserk, absolutely berserk. They don't go berserk for a point. Yeah, <laughs> what does the umpire think that, that we're cheering for a point? There's still a point down. Absolutely. At the, at the end of the day, there were two players underneath the the kick, uh, the Fogarty, and I think it might have been uh, uh, McAdam. And there was no doubt in either of their minds. Um, yeah, they had their uh, arms up. Yeah, they had their arms up, all the rest of it. Keys has walked to the crowd. Rankin's run to the crowd. Everyone starts to run over to Yeah, him. he did his celebration. That was so good. Yep. And then so, uh, the, ball, the ball comes out. To me... That's an, that's enough. Like players know, and you'll see when, when, they've when there's a contentious call that they will wait for the review, but they will also get structure up for the kickout because kickouts mm-hmm. you don't wait. So exactly. none of the none of the crows players structured up for the kickout because it was a goal. Yeah. They see it. They see it. Keys sees that it's gone in. There's no deviation on the ball. There's no hitting the pad like the commentators were saying. I watched it yeah. back on my phone when I was going home, and they're like, "Oh, I think it's hit the top of the pad." But then they showed the side view, and it's a meter clear. Yeah, yeah no. there was a weird little optical illusion with that pad because as the ball goes past, it looks like a little flick, but it must have just been like a, I don't know, a pixel or something. But the the front on view shows quite clearly that you can see the shadow of the ball on the goalpost as it passes. And mm-hmm. it's a metre yep. up. And then, as you said, when you look at it from the side view, that just confirms that it. it's a metre up from the paddock. Yeah. And that's that's why I'm saying the the ball hitting the pad makes a distinctly different noise to the ball hitting the post. Um, yeah, definitely. And there's no way that that umpire could have thought that it hit the pad, even though... It was yeah, where he was standing, he could see that it, it went over his head. It did. It almost went over his head, yeah. Now, Gates, you were you're out there in the crowd. What was the reaction of the crowd in your particular area when when it was not called a goal but called a point? Oh, so I'll run you through, right? So Keys takes the kick and we're like, oh, no, not Keys, you know. But then he snaps it. We go crazy. You know, we turn around. We do everything. We're cheering. Turn back around, see this guy hitting the post with his hands and they playing on and we just really confused because everyone thought it went in. Well, well, mate, we yeah. feel your pain, and uh, thanks for sharing your perspective. We've got a couple of other people wanting to come on, so we will push along. But um, thanks, Gary. Thanks for having me on. Are, our, our thoughts are with you, mate. <laughs> Thank you. Now we've got Patrick. Where are you, Patrick? You've been waiting for a while. We'll bring you on. Hopefully, uh, I haven't seen your name before, so hopefully uh, you've got everything working there. As we wait for um, Patrick to come on, Mac, I'll just show you. I put a, I put a. Um, oh no, we'll we'll do that afterwards. Patrick's here now. How you going, mate? 
Oh, not great, but it is what it is. Yeah, were you at the game? Uh, I was, yes, but again, it, Gates, you spoke about it perfectly, but I guess I wanted to bring up upon um, a different point of view of this through a business, I guess, about how amateur, I guess, the AFL is and how unprofessional mm. that mm. stuff like that occurs. Like, I watch NFL and NBA and soccer passionately, and nothing like this ever happens in those leagues. Those leagues actually have integrity and transparency, as bad as stuff might happen, but this is just embarrassing. Well, it's a very good point, Patrick. You know, it, it, it is a very good point because it, it was amateur hour. There's no doubt about that. Absolute amateur hour. And unfortunately, amateur hour costs us uh, a chance at the finals. It's more than that. It costs us revenue, players, coaches, staff. Like, it's just a business. It's more than just the four points. It's genuinely businesses and people and individuals that are affected by this wrongdoing. You're quite right, mate, because um, they would have been going into the finals, would have definitely generated money for the club, generated money for the players. Are we going to get any compensation from the AFL or do we just, uh, as usual, just have to settle with a uh, forced-out apology? Well, um, I think like roughly two hours ago, our chairman, I want to say it's John Olsen's his name, new bloke, um, yeah. Yeah. he said that he's fighting for some form of compensation. Now, whether that's concession for travel, um, trade, financing, I don't know. It should be something fair, but yeah. Well, John Olsen's a very sensible man and he's a, he's a very, very clever man as well. He knows what this means to the club and have what it what it's going to cost the club, and he's got every right to go to the AFL and say, your mistake has uh, cost us this. Somebody says priority pick in the chat. I'd love that to be the case, but that won't happen. <laughs> oh, I don't know. The out there kissing north on the, you know, surely we can get a first-rounder for this bullshit. Yeah, yeah well... Know, mate. We might get a slight... We might, we might lose the Ballarat game next year, and that's about it, I reckon. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, fixturing was another thing that got brought up yeah. as well in the thing. It'd be interesting to see how they look at that. Yeah, well, no, no other clubs went about the, the four places we went to. But anyway, coming oh. back to the situation at hand, you are right. It was it was the whole thing's been handled amateurishly at, at the game itself. Um, and the AFL, yes, they gave an apology, but, but it means absolutely nothing because our club is stuffed because of it. Our, uh, our players' dreams and hopes, they are stuffed by it. The supporters' uh, hopes are stuffed by it. So you can't, you, you can't say sorry for that. You can't. You can yeah. say but it means nothing. Yeah, there what, has to be uh, some form of justice. What, what, what gave me... Um, uh, like, I've found this whole week to be quite deflating, actually. Um, and this was just the icing on the cake. And the thing that that really nailed it for me was Gil this morning when he was waving off what was going on and what had happened. Yeah. Had to make the point that, you know, um, the viewership is up and the uh, attendance, we just broke a record for attendances and all the rest of it. It's very, very, very clear to me what metrics the AFL use as their keys for success. And it's not integrity. It's not professionalism, it's revenue, it's finances. It's not fairness, definitely not fairness either. We are supporting a team that is owned by the AFL in a competition that is not far off WWE 
it's it's sports yeah. entertainment, and it's a real shame because a lot of very good state-based competitions got destroyed to make this competition, and what mm. we're left with is a, is a, like you said an amateur bush league situation where money matters more than integrity, and mm. uh, it makes it very very difficult to to continue to love the game to love the sport. Absolutely. I wanted to bring one more thing up, though, being there in the crowd at the game. I'm confused because this year the umpires are stop and play a lot of the time when, like, a player's just got a cramp or something so minimal. Mm-hmm. But you see half the bloody team in the pocket of the Crows, and Sydney, we're pretty lucky that Sydney didn't score an easy goal on us in that scenario. Like, surely he could have stopped play there. Like, they have more power than what they actually show, these field umps. 100%. 100%, Patrick. Uh... The, the officiating umpire, can he's controlling the game. He can stop the game. He can call time off. He can seek clarification. You know, he's controlling the game. And that's what yeah. I mean, that they, it, it was just a rabble. That last 90 seconds was just a rabble. And the, the umpires didn't have any control over the game or the situation. And look look how, how it turned out. Any one of those four rabbits could have stopped play feet. I mean, uh, that's right. Because they give freeze from all over the place from 100 metres away when the guy's two metres away hasn't given a freeze. I was just about to say, they, they call freeze from 200 yeah. metres away. Surely the guy, the umpire at centre half back, could have shut it down. Anyway. Yep. Patrick, thanks, mate. No, well, I appreciate you coming on. Yeah. Yeah, thanks, mate. Thanks, lad. Good on you, mate. And one more for the moment. Good fella, come on, mate. Uh, good to see you there. Uh, and, uh, Mac. It, it's quite obvious that uh, <laughs> this hasn't gone down well. Good fella, how are you, mate? Hey, not too bad, fellas. Yourselves? Well, a bit flat. Well, a bit flat. I, I thought I'd come across yeah. very cheery, didn't I? <laughs> oh yeah, as you always do. As you always do, Maka. Thanks, <laughs> hey, mate. No, I am pissed off the high heaven, but let's like, carry on, mate. Yeah. No, I sort of just want to reiterate what uh, what the last person was on about there. In regards to, the, as we're saying, like the amateur type stuff, I mean, even in tennis, they can pick whether a ball's on one side of a line or on the line or on another side. Yeah. Where and and the Poms have got the goal line technology in football. So why haven't we got something similar for all this money that they get from TV deals, uh, stadium shit, everything else? Where's the money getting put back into the sport? It's a very good point. And I am sure that technically it could be done. But as I think Fien uh, summed it up beautifully at the start uh, a few minutes ago when he said, the one, their number one driver for everything is revenue, money in, not money out, uh, money in. And um, I, I've, you know, they love building up a great big war chest and they, and they don't spend as much as they should. You, you're understand yeah. right. They've got the money and they could get the technology... They just can't be stuffed doing it. Yeah. Well, I mean, do they think that it's only Australians still that watch this sport or what? Do they not know that it's global? Well, other I don't people think they care this? about that, mate. I don't, I, that's the thing. I don't think they care about it. Um, and, you know, we've got to be clear about this. It wasn't actually the, a breakdown of the technology. It was the fact that the technology no. wasn't used um, yeah, but in, in this instance. In regards with that, in regards with that, though, the technology that they would have been using, yeah, it would have overturned it, we would have won. 
But I'm looking at this as a whole, like, as in every school review that they've done. The only thing we have is a camera angle on the goalpost, and it's that blurred that you can't even tell if his finger's bent one way or the other. Yeah, because they're, they're using a little 240, 240 yeah. uh, camera, like the Fox cameras that are UHD, they showed it quite clearly. They'd be far clearer than the... Right, look, I agree with yeah. you. There's an opportunity for money to be, made, uh, money to be spent for the technology to be more or less foolproof, soccer can do it. There's no reason we can't do it. Um, yeah. But in, in I mean, my tennis opinion, does it. tennis like does sports, it, cricket tennis, does it. Tennis can even, yeah. When Channel yeah. 9 invented most of all the shit that they do for the, like, wickets and all that stuff. Well, let, uh, we let's put just stump remember cams in. that... We put, stump cam- we put stump cams in in 1970-odd. Oh, it's a bit later than that. It was probably in the yeah. 90s. But yeah. let's but remember we, that, we Channel, 7 doing all that. Cam- Channel 7 put cameras in uh, touring cars in, VA. in, in the yeah. middle middle 70s when it was unheard of and revolutionised the sport. It's not as if the technology yeah. is not there and not available. And that we haven't got people in this country that aren't thinking about it or haven't thought about it or haven't done it themselves. Yeah. No, it's, just, it's just... And we've had the review system in for a number of years now and, you know, the only thing that they've done is centralized it that's the only thing um to try mm. and get some consistency uh, because they haven't had enough uh people that are suitably qualified or, or uh, have the aptitude to be able to yeah. you know adjudicate correctly but why is why one, it's a similar situation to the and the one uh, and the one only other point i was going to bring up tonight sorry about that fine mm, um there was a game. There was a game on the same. Oh, yesterday I think. Uh, Derm, uh, not Dermy. Dunstall on that was commentating. I think it was Richmond. The Richmond game. Yeah. There was a goal kicked or snap from the pocket. Now they reviewed it for the similar type thing, whether it hit a pocket yeah, or something. Right. Yeah, yes, they did. But you're correct. And that was reviewed within. You know that was instant. Like, yeah, this needs to be reviewed, looked at, because there was a bit of confusion. Yeah, with the comment, of, like, the, the goal umpire said, "I think it hit the post." Yeah. And so they and reviewed within, it. Yeah. And Yang's reviewed in like two and a half seconds, and we lose the game. But they can review a game that has no real consequences of who's making finals or whatever, to an extent. They can review that, but they can't review a game that's, you know. Critical. Mm. Critical to both sides. Yeah. No, I mean, no, Sydney appreciate might... your... appreciate yeah. your thoughts, <laughs> mate. Um, I feel your pain. I hope you're getting some sort of... Uh, some sort of uh, comfort from being around friends and like thinking people. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> feeling the same. Yeah, we're, we're therapy, feed, aren't we? <laughs> no, all right, good. so uh, Dr. Macker and Dr. Phoenix, uh, bid you all the best, good fella. Thanks for coming on. Right. Right. Cheers, fellas. See ya. Just throw one at you from left field thing, and I know you've raised this one before, and I don't, don't know whether you... I can't remember whether you were for it or get it, but I think you were for it. Why not, if a ball hits a post and goes through uh, goals, call it a goal. If it hits a point post and goes through, call it a point. Mackie, you must and- have read the run sheet because I ran a Twitter poll this afternoon uh, that asked exactly that question. So just put it up on the screen here. My answer is remove the behind from hitting the for hitting the post. If it deflects through for a goal, it's a goal. 
Same for the points in Out of Bounds. Bounces, if it bounces back in, it's play on. Review all shots that go above the post high. Uh, the only, about a two-thirds, two one-third uh, for that idea. And again, if you want to remove, remove ambiguity out of this sport, that's the only way you're going to do it. Well, to me, I, I think it's a very good answer because it does take an ambiguity out, out of it. Um, you know, the tradition, uh, big word, traditionalists would say that that's not how we used to play the game. But then there's a lot of things that have changed since you played the game. You don't have 50 metres for just smiling the wrong way at the umpire or something like that. I mean, you could get all these stupid 50 metres. There's everything has changed. The game is revolving and, it's, and different rules come in all the time. So um, from my point of view, I would, I'd like to see it. Um, I think, though, if it hit the post, if it hit the goal post, I would say, well, that, I could call that a point if it, if it bounced back into play. And if it hit the point post and uh, bounced back into play, I'd call that out of bounds. That's the only variation I'd have to what you suggested. I don't mind that, Mac. I was thinking about that afterwards because someone rightly pointed out, you know, what if it's a kick after the siren and it hits the post? Do we continue the play until the play's dead like they do in rugby? I don't like that at all. So I think... That's not a bad idea. If it, if it hits the post and bounces back in, it's a point. But yep. if it hits the post and goes through, it's counted the score of whatever side of the post it goes through. I 100%. Think that's excellent. I think that's yep. excellent, and I think that solves every problem. And I know it's not traditional, um, but if one of the problems with the with the sport of Aussie rules is the amount of grey and the amount of ambiguity in the game. Yeah. It's not yep. like soccer where it's very easy. It's not like, you know, tennis where it's very easy. It's it's a sport of ambiguity. And if if this game is going to become more professional, then I think we need to, to work or the AFL needs to work hard to remove ambiguity from the game. And... To me, this is one way of doing it. Um, you know, you can have all the, you can throw all the technology under the sun at it, but at the end of the day, you, you want to, you want something that that is going to uh, be consistent for all sides. And I think that particular suggestion sums it up perfectly. Yeah, uh, for me, uh, I'd love to see it because uh, it, you know, to everybody, it's black and white. And then you get back to the other one, which is, a, this is a very dubious one. What about touched in play before it goes through the goals? Oh, no, I still want I still want that to be able to be reviewed because I think if they actually in, employ fast, like high shutter speed cameras instead of the bloody 280p <laughs> fucking webcams that they use at the moment, it yep. wouldn't be difficult. It wouldn't be difficult. Right, you right, just fair need a camera with a with a with a fast enough frame rate to be able to pick that stuff up. I still okay. want touch to be touched. Though that's my personal view, um, but uh, because I think otherwise, you know, what's the point of? Uh, yeah, oh, there's too many, too many things associated with that that I don't like. But certainly, certainly hit the post and goes in to me. It's a goal. It's a goal in any other sport. If it hits, yes, the, it is. If it hits the uh, woodwork or the, the or the ring, ring or the bar. whatever, yeah. Now um, there's a lot of chat going in, and a lot of stuff going in the chat talking about compensation. Do you think that the AFL will give us financial compensation? 
not publicly. So you, <laughs> so you think there could, there's a good chance of compensation, but would be hand underneath the lap. I think there'll be something. I think, um, I think there might be a financial reimbursement for um, for missed revenue. I think that's what it'll come down to. Well, because there's no doubt about it that uh, it has cost us that opportunity to earn that revenue. Um, I know that it wasn't open and shut because we still had to play one more game, but we would have won our game and it works out, I think, that if we would have definitely got in. So I think we've got every right to ask for it, and, I'm, and, and I, as I understand it, it has been asked for. Um, but, yeah, so you, you, you're saying they wouldn't do it openly, uh, and I'm sure you're right, actually. Any money would be paid quite secretly, I think. And, and quite frankly, Macca, I don't want to receive anything from the AFL that's going to compromise next year's result. You know, so anything that anything that detracts from whatever our result is next year, whether it be a, a, a favourable draw or what have you, um, and we should get a better draw uh, than we did this year. We had the worst draw in the competition this year despite finishing... Down the down the bottom of the ladder or near the bottom of the ladder. I don't know how that works. We had a shocking draw. We had a shocking draw this year, so we should get a better draw this year, uh, next year anyway. But any anything that that smacks of favoritism to the crows in terms of fixturing or, or what whatever is going to tarnish whatever we achieve next year as a club. I don't, I don't want that. I'm I'm happy with financial reimbursement for lost earnings and for players and coaches and all the rest of it with, uh, you know, reaching finals clauses to uh, receive that payment outside of the soft cap uh, paid directly by the AFL, considering the AFL own us anyway. Mm. Um, but I don't want, I, you know, maybe a tap on the shoulder to the Thebi Council to get pull their fingers out so we can finally have a club room. So I don't know. Um, uh, I don't I don't want that anything tangible. I don't want anything tangible in terms of what may affect results next year. It might be that they might in, in, increase whatever donation they were going to give us towards the club rooms. Yep, they might do that. So, that's that probably. Be a I think. I think that's probably. If we do get anything, that's probably where it will be. But I don't think we'll ever hear hear about it. I don't think so. But uh, but I think that's probably a good way for them to do it because it doesn't compromise their position. It doesn't compromise their position. It doesn't compromise us. Um, but it's recognition that revenue has been lost as a con- or potentially lost as a consequence of that decision, and we should be rightly reimbursed. Yeah. Now, Fane, I've spoken about how I felt at the time. Others have. How did you actually feel at that moment, mate? Well, my first reaction was that how funny is it of all the players to... Um, to, to kick us in front, it's Ben Keyes who couldn't pick the ball up one grab all night and can hardly kick a goal. And <laughs> no sooner no sooner had I typed that in Discord, because I was on the game day chat uh, with a lot of our listeners, no, no sooner had I typed that, I looked up and it's like, well, hang on a minute, that ball hasn't been bounced yet. What, what's going on? And it wasn't then, uh, until then, that I realised that they'd scored a point. And... Uh, I was actually incredulous. I couldn't. I actually couldn't believe it. 
Well, I, I have to admit, I'm the same as you. I just, I thought, I'm celebrating, I'm waltzing around the lounge room, and all of a sudden I thought, hang on, they're playing on. Yeah, exactly. I, 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 couldn't, it, I, I think I was stunned. It wasn't until afterwards when it became conclusively proven that it was, in fact, a goal uh, that, that my stunned self turned into an angry self. Um, because at the time I was just in a bit of disbelief. I actually couldn't believe that could happen in a professional game of AFL football, stupidly. I have to agree with you. I have to agree. Uh, I, I just, I was stunned. Absolutely stunned. I, 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 think, I think we all were. And we had a right to now we've got Arab Child on here, and uh, he's always got something good to add. So we'll bring Arab on before we delve a little bit further into the match, mate. How are you going? Good. How are you guys going? Very good, mate. Oh, you can mate. see, my, yeah, uh, you can see from my background, I'm, I'm in your old country, mate. <laughs> uh, I just want to bring a bit of positivity, positivity to this. Oh, here we in go. In a very, very. The- this could light a really big fire into the kids' belly next year where they could just you know, like put their eyes down and grind like hell, be like, you know what, last year we lost this opportunity and we should just now put up or shut up, you know what I mean, kind of thing. And I feel like this loss could be that, and especially with the inaccurate goal kicking. I don't know what you guys think of that. Well, I don't know. Um, we've, watched, we've watched our mob uh, manage for the last few years to kick a lot more points and kick goals. I don't know if anything can make this mob kick straight. I, the thing um... with this... I don't know, Arab. I think it'll be. I think it'll be long forgotten by the time round one happens. Would it be mentally though? Because like this year, it plays a lot, especially in um, professional sporting events and all that. The slightest thing could affect you mentally quite a lot. I mean, we saw that in two thousand and eighteen. All the players pretty much said that. Bec- I mean, sorry, two thousand seventeen after the grand final, they all said that we should have had that meeting straight away instead of waiting because it ate us mentally that we waited until we had the after-the-game meeting or whatever it was. And I think this could have a really big mental game on the kids especially. Yeah, I don't know how much it will affect the kids when they're playing in the twos. Yeah. No, the kids in the team. Um... (laughs) (laughs) And to the goal kicking thing, I was watching a video of uh, Matthew Lloyd like picking out players and how they can kick straighter and things like that. And he has a great eye for it. And I really think that we should invest in someone like him. Like, for example, in that video, he picked out, I don't know which player it was, but I remember clearly because I was like, whoa, that his thumbs were in the wrong position. Yep. And in the middle of the video, and I'm, he like broke that down. And I'm like, if we can invest into someone like that where he is able to critique even like to the point of the thumb, 
that I would really want us to invest in someone like that just for let, like let that me, preseason or the two preseasons. Let me tell you right now, Arab, that's the biggest load of horseshit, not by you, but by Matthew Lloyd ever. You can have your thumbs anywhere you like. It's about dropping the ball straight, kicking through the ball, and being straight at the target. I've seen so many different techniques be de- be effective um, because the mechanics are very simple. And Matthew Lord will probably make a ton of money out of being a goal-kicking doctor. And there's no doubt he was a good kick for goal. Uh, no doubt at all. But at the end of the day, there's many ways to hold a football there's only three or four things that you have to do right and sticking your thumbs three laces up is not is immaterial. Look at how Jack Gunston used to kick the ball when he was kicking goals well. His his style was very unconventional. He held the he held the ball almost sideways in his palms and what that did was drop the ball straight every time. Now his thumbs were nowhere near the laces. So I I mean, I hear what you're saying, and I think they should invest time in goal kicking, but I, it's it's a simple mechanic, Maca, isn't it? Yeah, no, look, it is. And uh, shooting for goal, as I've always said, to, is a psychological thing. Our guys are missing because they fear that they're going to miss. That's why they miss. That when you're having a shot for goal, and I was a goal-hungry little bastard, and... I I thought I was going to kick everybody goal. I never did kick everybody goal, but I always thought I was going to kick every goal. I wanted to kick every goal. Now I wanted, yeah. Um, I can remember when I was in under 18s, I won a second semi final with a ridiculously uh, difficult kick, which probably should have been passed off, but I kicked the bloody goal because I believed I could. And I think that anybody that believes that they can kick goals will kick a lot of goals. Anybody who Fears, but they're going to they're going to miss. Will miss. I think we said this so, last week, Mac. You've you've got to, you've got to embrace the opportunity rather than fear fear uh, failure when it comes to kicking for goal. And look, let's be honest. Ben Key Ben Keys owned that opportunity on Saturday night. He wanted the ball. Like I think it wasn't. It might have been Rankin or someone who who was looking to take the take that shot. And Keys was like adamant. Um, and rightly so, because he's a left footer. But given his uh, given his track record, it was like hard in mouth sort of stuff. But he owned that opportunity. He didn't he didn't shy away from it. Whereas Tex and Falk, there, there's no way Falk should have missed that goal. There's no way Tex should have missed his goal. No, they they should be just certainly. So, do you think maybe we should invest in a sports psychologist for the club? I mean, I'm just trying to think of. Like, what? What is the way out of this? Because it's been like what three, four years now, where we I haven't kicked straight. And I just... Sports psychologist. <laughs> Remember I, I said it. And I'm like, uh, yeah, no, 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 no. we're not going there. Jeez, oh, look at that. Oh, look, I think it's very yeah. simple, but I, I just don't think that it's trained properly. I really don't. I don't think it's trained properly. I, you know, you kick a thousand shots for goal. Uh, at training during the course of the year, but if you don't actually look at your technique, then you're just replicating your, your mistakes, right? So they may practice a lot of shots for goal, um, but I don't know whether they're actually looking at the basics, and I don't know whether they're spending any time in the review. Like forwards, whose job it is to kick goals, Macca, do you think that they should be spending half their 
review time looking at their running patterns and half their review time looking at their actual set shots? Um, I think I, I think that uh, you should every forward should always make sure that I don't think they do have enough uh, shots for goal at training. They do a lot of running and very little shot for goal. I, I think that there should be separate little sessions apart from that where they do have shots for goal just to get your routine right, just to get it absolutely spot on. Yep. So I don't, I don't think it yeah. needs sports psychology. Um, I think it's an attitude, and I was going to cover this in, um, in our chat about the game, which we'll get into in a minute. But the one thing that I felt, and I'll be interested in, in your thoughts, Macca and, and Arab, one thing that I felt is that all week, Nix's attitude about this game and how he was projecting this game was completely wrong. He kept saying it was a big game, for the biggest game the club had had. Uh, yeah, I didn't, his, I didn't like his that. biggest game as, as coach, all the rest of it. And to me, in the first three quarters of that game, we, we were as tight as a drum. We weren't playing with any fluency. You always look tired and slow when you're anxious. And to me, yeah. we played anxious. And I think that was down to the environment around the players and around the club in the week leading up. They they didn't come out playing free-flowing football. They, they, Nick's didn't say anything about opportunity or, you know, such a great position to be in for the club or whatever. It was all about, oh, this is a really big deal. 100% agree with you, Fiend. Um I didn't like it at all um, because uh, it should be the same as every other game. You're going to go out there and give 100%. That's as simple as that. Mm-hmm. I said this, uh, I think, a while back. There are um, I've, I've read this somewhere where there are two types of coaches, one that brings the team together and one that is just like all about strategy and planning. And... Nix is heavily on the one that brings people together and wants to have um, family-like kind of feelings and stuff in the club. But if you're going to have a heavy coach like that, we really need hard, tough coaches, support roles around him where they put him straight in line and be like, dude, like this plan is not working. We should think of it this way. Or um, like take more of control of the game and how it's played and just leave Matthew Nix to support the players to make sure they're well and their welfare and that. Yes, he has a role as a um, plan and all these things, but he's mostly should be a managerial role. But I don't know. That's just my view of it where I think he is needs that support around him. I think at the time of his appointment, uh, he, the word was that he was offered um, a senior assistant, or you know, like a like a Dean Bailey type or uh, Alan Richardson type at at um, Josh Carr now at Port. Um, Correct. And he didn't want it. And then I think there were also some ramifications with regards to the soft cap and COVID and all that sort of stuff. Um, but I don't mind it. Arab, I don't mind it at all. If Matthew Nix has got to be humble enough to know that he's a rookie coach, um, he's been coach of our club now um, for three seasons without a finals appearance. Um, his win loss record is still down around thirty thirty five percent. 
and he's made some contentious decisions. And it wouldn't be a bad thing at all, in my opinion, for him to have someone overseeing him, someone uh, that is not currently connected with the club, over not overseeing him, but providing mentorship and guidance because uh, he's made some rookie errors. Wouldn't you agree, Mac? Yeah, very much so. Um, look, I think there's a lot of nice things about uh, Nixon. Not three. Yeah, a lot of nice things about him, some good things, but you know, his weaknesses are obvious as, as well. And you, you often expose them and talk about them, and it's very hard to argue with you. Um, and one of those is we've seen during this week uh, the reappointment of Sloan for another year, um, which is a, a, an absolutely uh, that's well, it's not going forward; it's going backwards in the sense to sign up a thirty-four-year-old. And uh, it, he, he was given the job of, on the weekend of trying to mind Gwildon. Now, he's never going to be such a scattergun, Mac. Stick to the program. Arab, thanks, mate. Just Appreciate one last thing. As always. Um, oh, one more. Go on. But just one more thing. Let's not downplay what Nix has done. It, it, the list he got was fucked, like to say the least. Like, I'm self-swearing, but it was... Like, there was no one there. There was no stars. There was nothing. He just got a blank piece of paper. And in three years, what he's done is quite amazing, to be honest with you. Uh, that's just my opinion. We'll Look, he had... <laughs> Look, <laughs> he has got... Look, one thing I will say that he has, in general, I've got us playing comp- good competitive football. And he... He has got us, when we are playing that competitive football, playing it nearly as good as anybody else in the competition. Unfortunately, we haven't, we don't as yet have the ability to sing, string four quarters of it together. Now, now whether Nick can extend his ability to, to get uh, more than one or two good quarters out of us and get three quarters or four quarters out of us, well, um, look, I, I don't mind it, see. I don't mind him. But I don't don't know whether he is going to take us all the way. Uh, it might be he gets us to a certain stage and then somebody takes over after that. On the other hand, who knows? We might erupt next year and uh, go a lot further than, than people think. We could go backwards as well, but I don't think so. I think we'll go forward. Mm, we'll talk about that. Thanks, Arab. Thank you. As, as usual, very good. Thanks, Arab. All right, Macca. Uh, so touch on a couple of points there before we get into the game itself. Um, yep. Thom Lyon, who's one of our regular listeners uh, and who also happens to be a presenter on Saturday mornings on SEN, get around him with Bryce Gibbs, uh, invited me on to have a quick chat uh, on Friday morning uh, about the Sloney situation. And uh, I'm on record as being pretty devastated about that to be honest with you, Mac, I, it's one of the worst uh, list management decisions that I can recall. Um, and it flowed through to Sloaney starting on the ground on Saturday to our detriment in my view. Now, last week before Sloaney's signing, you and I were both saying that he uh, shouldn't have been re-signed. So you haven't yep. had an opportunity to comment on that. What's your thoughts? Well, I think it's a thorough disgrace. Um, and I, I thought this particular game was the perfect game for Sloan to have the retirement game where he could have um, 
33 years of age, gammy leg. Um, Fry was a wet week, but he could actually have the boys playing for him for his retirement, um, and he could have gone off and, and they stick him on their shoulders in front of the home crowd and everybody cheers and they will miss you slowly and thank God you're gone behind their, they whisper behind their back. Um, he's, look, look, he's cooked. He's absolutely cooked. And he, uh, the, not only am I angry about him getting re-signed, because that means it's, he's, going, he's probably going to get games next year and another young lad's going to be sitting there thinking, when do I get a bloody turn? And the sooner we can turn some of these young boys into good players, the better. Um, I mean, Nan Curvis is going to be a better player for the four games that he's played this year. And, you know, he didn't look out of place. He'll, come, he'll believe now I can play AFL football, and I bet you he plays well next year um, if he gets the opportunity. But if Sloan's around, he, there's still that chance he'll bottle up one of the bloody spots. I, I just, I'm totally anti it. Um, I don't think for one moment he should have got it. And uh, it's just typical pros to do that. Other clubs, um, I mean, they don't mind getting rid of their legends. Like Hawthorne, they toss their legends uh, far and wide because they want to put uh, you know, play young players. But, you know, not us. We just hang on till they die, just about. Yeah, we've certainly got form in this regard. Uh, ever since um, the era of Goodwin, Tyson, Edwards, Andrew McLeod and all the rest of it, we've hung on to club favourite songs for far too long. David McKay is, is an example. Richie Douglas is another. You know, that Scotty Thompson, obviously, there's a few. Uh, Sammy Jacobs probably went a year too long. There, there's been quite a few. Um so yeah, no. Look, my, I was interested in your thoughts. I, I they don't surprise me at all because I think you and I are on a similar track. What what's what's annoying to me, as as I said on SEN on Friday on Saturday morning, is that he's also deluded enough to think that he's still got he's still valuable to the AFL side. A lot of people have been excusing this re-signing by saying oh, you know, uh, he'll play most of it in the SANFL or he'll be great for the kids developing in the SANFL. Rory Sloan does not think that. Everything that Rory Sloan has said indicates that he feels he's the best 22 player. In fact, he feels that he will be better for this year's recovery from the ACL and that he'll be better next year. He did say that. He... And he indicated all during the season that he wasn't going to retire. The club were going to have to push him out. Rory Sloan will not take being in the twos. He is not there to develop the youngsters. He is not there for that. He is there to play AFL football in his mind. Yeah. And look, the thing is, either he is capable of playing at a senior level next year. It's not going to be... Outstanding. I mean, it could be. Uh, let's just say he can play at a reasonable level next year. He, it still isn't taking us anywhere, thing. It's still not developing the future. I mean, we, if you draw where we came from, we, we came from rock bottom, and if you draw where we're at now, it's a curve going upwards. And playing a bloke like Sloan makes that uh, curve, uh, the the upswing of that curve take a longer time because it just takes up another spot where somebody could have been developed in. And, and so 
I, as I said, I'm totally against it. I think it was very selfish of him. But again, you can't blame a player because I mean, he's uh, what is he going to do? You know, he, he's got the choice of going into nothingness. I mean, he'd find something. But if he's at the club, he gets a nice big salary, and he's uh, in the media and all that sort of stuff. So you can't blame him. It's a club. You've got to blame the club. Uh, Volta Church in the chat says, how could you possibly understand his leadership from outside the walls, Phoenix? It's not about that. It's about the fact that he believes he's still an AFL-quality player. you know. And yes, he might provide leadership around the club, but it's not as if we've got no senior players. We've got an ex-captain in Tex Walker who's, who was voted captain of the season twice during his captaincy. We've got Geordie Dawson, who's the current captain and highly respected, was voted in by the players unexpectedly, highly respected by the players. Brody Smith played over 250 games or something close, 200 games. We've got Tom Diday, who's a senior player and touted as a captain at one stage. We've got Matt Crouch, who's played a ton of league football, club champion. We have got tons of leaders around the club. It's not as if we don't have any leaders we didn't it's not as if we needed Rory to stay because we lacked leadership and there are a fair few times during the first half on Saturday night where I was wondering where the hell Rory Sloan's leadership was because he was in the thick of it not providing any leadership whatsoever so I don't that that whole leadership thing doesn't doesn't take doesn't cut it for me Uh, he's taking up a spot look Matt let's um, let's follow this through to selection and discussion about the game. Um, yep. So selection, obviously, um, Isaac Rankin came in uh, at the expense of, uh, surprisingly, Luke Pedler. Uh, what do you uh, think about that? Well, I could not believe it. To me, I thought Pedler, <laughs> uh, I thought he was just hitting his, really hitting his straps a week before. And to see him move Sloan in, and uh, well, Sloan did play the week before. Uh, but see to see him moved onto the, into the bench, I thought this is ridiculous because I and as Pedler proved when he came on, I mean, he's he was on for forty three percent of the of, of the of the game, and in that time he racked up more possessions than Sloan did in his time, and but. They were really tough, hard-earned positions. I thought he was absolutely fantastic. And, um, yeah, he should never have been started on the bench. But uh, uh, I thought he gave us a little bit of a taste of what he might do next year. We also dropped um, Nankervis and kept um, Borlase in. I felt like we were just a bit tall in defence, particularly for a wet night, Mac. And I would have thought Luke Nankervis's versatility... Uh, and ability at ground level would have been quite valuable. Look, we had Keane and Wall, and they were the only two tools we needed to go and buy who Sydney has resting up forward. So you and McElhenney as well, uh, uh, Michael Lenny. And uh, so uh, you're quite right. I think we had one tool too many, and uh, yeah, I thought he was he needed to have been picked at all. And I think Nan Curvis could have, would have probably done a better job even. Well, it would have given us a, a, a tallish and like a third tall plus a, a ground level player because Luke's very good at ground level. He's quite clean. Very good. His disposal's very good, but he also plays quite tall. Uh, so it would have given us a bit of versatility. I, I felt like um, 
uh, we just looked a bit one-dimensional and a little bit, just a little bit lacking at ground level uh, across the fence, similar to the previous week. So a couple of decisions there. I mean, obviously the the peddler one for mine was an absolute shocker. Um, yep, and it had a knock on it had a knock on effect as as we'll see as we look at some of the stats, Mac. You know, Harry Schomburg had a fantastic game last last week. Uh, attended a lot of centre bounces and got a few clearances. Where did he play on Saturday night? Um, I know he got a few a few turns in the middle, but uh, I think no, he was on a half. No, he didn't. Not one. Not one. Not one played wing all night. Well, I thought he played very well, except for the last quarter he didn't. Uh, I'm, he not, had... I'm not asking you how he played. I said, where did he play? Well, I didn't pick up that he didn't have any uh, CBAs at all. No, well, that's wrong. He, he should have. Joshua Shelley, how many CBAs? Did he have any? One. Jake Saligo, probably best on ground, certainly our cleanest ground ball player in the first half. How many? Mm-hmm. How many? Uh, how many CBAs? Well, I thought he played wing all night. Uh, I don't know if he had any CBAs. And I thought he, had, he I thought he played very close to our best player, though. Thing. Oh, hundred percent. But what I'm saying is the knock-on effect of Rory Sloan getting selected is that our centre bounce attendances were very lopsided. And I'll hang on a second. I'll just bring it up here so that we can see. Um, so our CBAs for the match, uh, Dawson 23, Laird 23, O'Brien obviously 23. So uh, Matty Crouch 16, Peddler 6 all in the second half from 43% time on ground. Sloan, mm-hmm. uh, Sloan 5 from 34% time on ground all in the first half. Thilthorpe contested 2, Saligo had 1, Rochelle had 1. Nothing from uh, Rankin, nothing from Harry Schomburg. Now, in the first quarter, we had uh, Laird, Dawson, O'Brien, Crouch, Sloan, and Thilthorpe had one. So our, our midfield was Sloan, Crouch, Dawson, Laird. How did we go? We got absolutely slacked. We got towed. Absolutely yep. towed, yeah. Second quarter, Crouch with eight, Dawson with eight, Laird with eight, O'Brien with eight. Sloan with two, Rochelle with one when Sloan got injured, Thilthorpe with one. So for a half of the game, for a half of the game, Macca, we persisted with Laird, Crouch and Sloan with Dawson. Well, I think, you know, we, oh, I'm, in, I'm in agreement with you there. You can use those players, but you mix them up with other players so that it's not just that dominant trio all the time because it's too slow. I don't understand how the coaches can't see this, Mac. I, I really don't understand it. We, you know, Matthew Nix comes out in the presser afterwards, and I thought he handled the presser in general very well, but what he, one thing he did say, it, say is, where did we get beaten? Well, we got beaten in quarters one and two. Well, have a look, Nixie, at the stats. You were <laughs> running like... Our, our midfield is the only midfield in the competition that has gotten progressively older as the season has gone on, Macca. And we're a young, developing side. We have the third youngest team in the in the in the league, and yet our midfield has gotten progressively older. Now we've got Crouch in there, along with Laird, who play the same roles, uh, and Sloan, who can't move. 
<laughs> it's hard to argue, you think? Well, it just doesn't make any sense. You know, last week we had Harry Schoenberg had a had a fantastic game last week playing in the ones. And I'm just going to go back and revisit his stats from last week just to remind people. This was against the top two Brisbane Lions. Yes. And if we have a look, where are you, Harry? Uh, let's have a look at his tendencies. Uh, attended 10 CBAs for four clearances. Yeah. So why don't why don't they, why don't they play him? Why don't they see that um, that Jake Saligo is in form and handling the conditions, which not many of our players were actually handling the conditions. You know, he's good at stoppage. Why don't you get him around the centre clearances? Why don't you break it up? Again, this you know this thing of making ourselves difficult to play against. We were absolutely destroyed, and we played our 2018 midfield, plus Jordan Dawson. Well, look, it's very hard to argue against what you're saying, mate. It makes too much sense. But I don't care about making sense. This this is a this is a tragedy for our football club. Our football club had a chance to make finals on the back. And I've shown those graphs before, and I'll update them, and we'll show them again next week. On the back of the efforts of the youngsters going through the middle, right? That's what got us in contention halfway through the season. Yes. And then since then, we have reverted to quite literally the 2018 midfield setup. Well, virtually it is. Yeah, it is. It is. Rolly O'Brien, Rory Sloan. Manny Crouch, Roy Led. Yeah, bit of Groundhog Day about it, Pete. But that's like five years ago. I know. I mean, how how do you how how does Matthew Nix get to the end of season review and justify that at the expense of half a season of Harry in the twos, a full season almost barring three games of Sam Berry in the twos, Luke Pedler playing weird minutes, like two games back and he gets subbed out after a really good, really strong game against um, Brisbane the week before. Mm -hmm. And Jake Saligo in and out, like different roles and all the rest of it, playing on a wing and not getting run through the middle at all when he's been shown that he's a, he's a, a, a fantastic player in traffic. Joshua Shirley, now I know he had a bit of a stinker despite kicking a couple of goals, but again, another lad who has been shown to get centre clearances when he's in there. Yeah, oh, I totally agree. Why are agree. we doing this? Why are we doing this? It actually, it blows my mind. Well, you know, it's it's hard to, I can't give an answer because I, I wonder myself why they don't. I mean, you, know, you surely, surely you've got to give uh, Rankin and, both Rankin and Rochelle uh, run through there. Um, and also, you know, people as I said to you, I think last week I said to you that I wouldn't mind like Pedler when he's playing half forward flank, starting in the centre uh, for the for the actual uh, centre bounce and clearance, and uh, getting to, you know do a rotation process so he you know after uh, about a half a minute or a minute or so he goes back to his half forward flank. But but I think he's a very good extractor in the middle. Well, here's another thing, Mac. 
I had um, a, a multi on, on the game on Saturday night and it involved Matty Crouch getting 30 touches, so I was tracking him, right? And there was a period there in the third quarter where I thought, why is Matt Crouch getting touches? And I realised he was off the ground. And then yeah, I, I, have, so I, have a look at, I have a look at his stats, right? I have a look at his stats. And I realise that the reason he's off the ground is, as we've pointed out before, he's so limited. He's so limited that he's either in the middle or he's off. You know, Matt Crouch only played 65% time on ground. Yeah, I was going to point that one out to you. Uh, but, uh, at, look, he, he's, a, he's a, I have to admit, he's, he is limited in, in that particular sense. And uh, But at the particular time when you would have picked that up that he was on the bench, because I, I picked it up as well at the same time, was, a, was a, probably at a time when we would have liked him to be out there. With, with, I think at that particular time, uh, Sloan was still out. Was still in the uh, in the in the middle at that time. Um, but yeah, um, I know where you're coming from, and I and I do agree with you. We should be putting a lot more young lad, uh, give lad, young lads more time through there. So there you go. I, I, met, I thought he'd play brilliantly on the wing, but their guy is one that we should be developing into a midfielder because. You know he's got he's got the whole lot. He's got the package. I yeah, mean, he's going half. I don't want to talk about Saliga. I'm talking about Crouch, right? Matt Crouch well, had less time on ground than Joshua Shelley. Yeah, had less time on ground than um, uh, Jake Saligo. Jake Saligo, eighty-seven percent time on ground. Luke Pedler had forty-three percent time on ground, which is not that far shy of what Matt Crouch was sixty-five percent on. How can you carry one midfielder? That only plays just over half the time on ground. How can you carry that? Um, you know, we had we had Dawson eighty five percent time on ground, Laird eighty three percent time on ground. How can you carry Matt Crouch sixty five percent time on ground? Surely I'm that gonna, messes up your versatility. I was going to ask a question though. Is is that what he normally uh, gets? Or well, it's just an admiration in the sense that. But did he like for last week? Was he on for eighty percent last week? Or I actually have a feeling it was similar last week, and I didn't notice it till afterwards. So let me just have a look, and I will tell you. Because I, I, I thought it was more than that last week. I thought he got a lot more Matty than that Crouch last week. Matty was on seventy seventy three percent time on ground last week. Yeah, yeah, I thought it was more than average. Average. Yeah, I thought that's about what he was, and. Um, yeah, I, I was surprised at the sixty-three percent because if you if you got to play, well, you have to use it. Well, and this is the thing, and I, I there are things that I just can't work out, and that's one of them. At and I feel like we have we have not gained a thing, as it turns out, uh, through misfortune or whatever. We have not gained a thing by playing senior players in the midfield for the second half of the season. Not one thing, Macca, because we're still going to finish anywhere from 10th to 13th or whatever. right? We haven't made any progress whatsoever, and we haven't given those lads any more time in the midfield. Tex is a year older. Sloan's on the way out. Rory Laird's a year older. Matty Crouch, who knows what's going to happen with him? There's four pl- and And Brodie Smith in my mind, is just as cooked as Rory Sloan. So there's five senior players that next year we can't expect the same level of output from. And we have not 
put plans in place for succession of those players? No. Uh, Smith, I think, I thought, played the way he normally plays. Um, I, I didn't think Smith was all that bad thing. Um, where he, the usual problem is with the, he does do a lot of bobbing with the ball, but and he's done it all through his career. But I thought I thought he was reasonably uh, okay on the on, in the game. Um, but throughout the uh, season, Brody Smith has not offered much at all. Mac, you and I have agreed on that. Well, he's had games where he's been good, and he's had a lot of games where he's been no good. So yeah, you, you're right. probably right. Five senior players that are a year older next year who are not going to give us the same output next year you wouldn't have thought. Well, well, Sloan won't, and Swift will probably be deteriorating a little bit more, those two, definitely. Um, I don't think Crouch will be with us. Uh, So who are the other two, Sloan? Tex. Tex. Um, hard to say. I, I thought that he wouldn't be any good this year, but uh, probably his best year ever. Yeah, it is probably his best year ever. But this time next year or halfway through next year, he's, he'll be a year older. Like you, you can hope that Texas output next year will be just as good, but you can't expect it. It'll it'll be a it'll be a bonus because all it will take will be one soft tissue injury for Tex. Or a flare mm-hmm. up of the hip, or a flare up of the foot, and that and his performances will drop off dramatically. In fact, I thought he looked a little bit slow on on Saturday night, but you know we all hope that Tex can keep going, but we can't expect it because of his age. No, look, I agree. There is a point where he's just going to disappear off the map, and um, look, I hope it's not next year. Um, but look, if it isn't next year, it'd probably be the year after. But um, uh, he has amazed me with the way he's played this year because one thing you can't take away from Tech for a, in terms of he, he, he may be getting older but he, he's got a very good football IQ a really good football IQ better than most and that's where, what he relies on Yeah I know but you, again you're straying away from the point Macker and I'm really trying hard to keep you on the point here is that since half halfway through the season we have done nothing to develop lads in the place of the blokes who are going to drop off the cliff. We have not None benefited in we have not benefited in any way, shape, or form by running Dawson, um, uh, Laird, Crouch, and Sloan through the midfield. No, I'm, I'm certainly not arguing with you about that at all. I'm agreeing with you. Yeah, and it 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 is very very uh, instructive in my view that in a game that Matthew Nix touted himself as the most important game of his coaching career, right, and the most important game that this group has had, he trusted our 2018 midfield with Dawson for the first two-thirds of the game. Yeah, well, they they got a fair caning in the first half, um... It got better, a little bit better in the second half, but um, yeah, we should, we got a hiding in the first I'm half. Not an, I'm not sure why you're not engaging with me on this, Macca. You seem to be defensive about about this point. What have we gained? What have we gained? And why Nothing. is it that Matthew? Why is it that when Matthew Nix has 
thought that we're in with a sniff of finals. Why has? What's your opinion of why he's reverted to this? Probably because he thought that the experience would help in that situation thing. That's the only thing. I'm not him, so I don't really know what he thinks. But well, I can only. I'm, that. Neither of us. Well, I'm, I'm better, have opinions. Well, I can only offer what I think, and I think that he that this there he thought that if uh, he probably thinks I've given the young lads a go early now. Do we really have to win these games? I'll put the experienced players in there. Now, um, I'm not saying I would do that. I'm saying this is what I think he's thinking. Yes, and I'm yeah. saying what's your opinion about that? Well, probably that he's wrong in the sense that our goal is we're not, we weren't never going to win the flag this year. His job is to actually build a side that can win a flag. That's, that's what his task is. And I can see where you're coming from, because you're, you're saying, quite rightly, that the midfield that's there isn't one that will be there if we ever win a midfield. But it's, it's, not, even, it's not even competitive now. No, but, it, but what I'm saying is that if his job is to... Uh, we hired him as a coach to take us from the depths of despair where we were at, and his job was to rebuild the club so that we would ultimately win a flag. And to do that, you have to rebuild a club right through the whole 22 positions, not just parts of that particular team. So he would, you'd have to rebuild the midfield as well. And I think it's an area that the club's been, uh, in its, with list management, it's been disgraceful in not developing the midfield. That's, that's exactly my point, right? That's my point. I think that it's been a massive, massive error by the match committee uh, in the way that they've handled the midfield. Um, I I can understand you wanting experience, and I, or not you, but you know the club. I can understand them wanting experience. I can understand them, um, you know, wanting uh, a little bit of a little bit of uh, you know cool head in there and all the rest of it. But by the same token, our main focus this year, our number one focus this year, was to get um, get games into these players. Yeah, I'm a hundred percent with you there, Frank. Um, I think we, from a midfield point of view, we've got one of the worst midfields in the competition. Um, I mean, when you look at Port Adelaide, Port Adelaide had. Um, very cleverly built a very, very good midfield, very good midfield. And it that midfield is so good that it covers up a lot of their other weaknesses. They have got a lot of spots out there that they are only just in and they get away with it because of the fact they've got this midfield that covers up for them. It's that good. Um, we, we in other positions, we've got sometimes we've got other positions that have to cover up their midfield because it's not good enough. So, yeah, but, uh, but we've got the pieces. We've got the pieces for a for a very good midfield. We've got those pieces, Macca. I look. We do. We've got some young uh, pieces that we should be, as I agree with you, building into a midfield. But I still don't think we've got the right. We've got the, the genuine quality young pieces that I, I would How like to see. Know? there. Um. Well, that's mainly my opinion from what I've seen of them, Ben. But. Um, but how would you how would you know that they've not been given a run of games? I mean, you you've been scathing of Harry Schomburg in the past, 
and yet give Harry a run of games in the middle and look what happens. He de- grows and develops into that into that role. And then, you know, look what happens when no. the game's on the line. He doesn't get trusted yeah. anymore. No, let me break that up into two pieces. Um, I, in Early in the season, I was very critical of Harry. Uh, but in recent weeks, I haven't been because he looked a lot slimmer, a lot fitter, and he looks like he's really putting in. He's been putting in all season, uh, but he wasn't being given the opportunity. And that's what I'm saying, that you give a player, a, a kid a run, and we said this last week, give, give, give a kid a run and trust him and back him in, and you'll see him develop. You know, I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't understand why you struggle with this because we haven't seen Joshua Shelley in the midfield for long enough to form an opinion. But, yeah, the, no, times no. That we, but, the, but the times that we have seen him in, the evidence and the stats back up the fact that he is a clearance machine. I am quite happy. Hitler, he is a clearance machine. So you saying that we don't have the 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 uh, the pieces yet for a midfield? You could have said that about Port Adelaide four years ago. They didn't know whether Rosie was going to transition to the midfield. At one stage, it looked highly unlikely that Rosie was going to trans- transition to the midfield. You know, Butters was hampered by injury early on in his career. And, you know, you didn't know whether he was going to be able to come on into the midfield. But they persisted with those. They're playing Ollie Wines on the bloody wing, for God's sakes. That's how committed they are to playing those young kids in the midfield. Ollie Wines isn't a wingman's backside. You know, but they they are they are willing to do that in order to give Butters and Rosie and Horn Francis a crack and and Drew and that a crack in the midfield. Yeah, but you're making it sound like you're making it sound like I'm against uh, playing Rochelle in the middle and and again. What you're saying is you don't think we've got the pieces, and I'm saying you wouldn't know because we've not tried them. No, no, I think we should be trying Rochelle and Pedler in there. When you've got a couple, a couple of experienced guys and one of the, and a uh, junior, and then you should always be feeding juniors through there. I I think we should be doing that, but um, but we've also Rochelle is and Pedler. Pedler, I think, might be one of the answers next year for the midfield, which with uh, of the quality that I'm talking about. Once he's 100 percent fit, because he's got he's got a lot uh, lot to offer. Rochelle is. Um, a player that is damaging in forward and, and comes in and should be used in burst through the midfield. And I think even Rankin should have a uh, burst or two through the midfield. So, um, what, 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 what I'm saying is. Only, why should Rochelle only be, be used in burst? I think Rochelle's got a bit of an attitude problem. I think he gets ahead of himself. And I think yeah. Josh over the summer needs to think about whether he wants to be a highlight reel or whether he wants to be a dependable 250 game midfielder in the AFL. But yeah. the, all that being said, he is a he is a genuine midfielder. We've seen it. He runs through the midfield. He gets clearances. Well, he did play certainly played his junior football as a midfielder. So I agree. You know, Jake Saligo, another one, genuine midfielder, genuine ground ball player. He's got a great step. He's got decent speed. He's he's got good uh, hands below below his knees, like. This is this is what I'm saying to you. You're saying that we don't yet have the the pieces that we need. I'm saying, a you wouldn't know, and b I dispute that we don't. But we've got to trust them, and it all comes back down to this, Macca, that when when the wits were cracking, 
and selection showed this on Saturday night when the whips were cracking. Our coaching staff, our selection committee and our coaching staff do not show faith in the kids. And if this persists next year, and there's no reason to say that it won't because we've given blokes like Lockie Murphy two years, we've given Rory Sloan another year, who knows, we might even give Matty Crouch another year. You know, if they persist like this, then we're going to, A, we're not going to be able to develop these kids well enough, and, and B, they're going to bugger off. No, that's fair comment, Payne. Anyway, let's look at the um, head-to-head stats because it was uh, pretty even. With 355 to 329 disposals, 208 to 211 kicks, 147 to 118 handballs, 58 to 54 inside 50s. Our disposal efficiency was better than uh, Sydney's 68 to 60. Obviously a wet night, so pardon me, those numbers were down. Uh, Not quite as efficient as usual going inside 50 and again squandering some opportunities in front of goal. Free kicks were even. I felt like they got the absolute rub of the green uh, for two and a half quarters, Mac, and then I felt like we got a couple of even uppers before the last debacle. Agreed. Why you saw it? Exactly. And I thought that um, we we missed out badly in the first half of the, of the game, and then as we sort of started to play better, it seemed like the free started to come with us as well. And uh, I thought that um, we got a few, well, two or three doubtful ones, and uh, we probably had it, uh, a couple that weren't paid against it that probably could have been, but that. That sort of evened itself up for the first half. Yeah. Um, interesting, interesting stoppage numbers. Uh, Riley O'Brien, uh, hit-outs-wise, absolutely destroyed Higgy. But A, I didn't feel he was terribly effective, and B, uh, whilst it wasn't the night for it, um, I thought Riley O'Brien was relatively absent in general play. How did you feel about that? Exactly that. Exactly that. I think he only had 10 disposals, I think, for the game. Um, and uh, he, I don't think he, I'm not sure he even took a mark for that for, for the no, game. He didn't take a mark. He, he no. Hasn't, I, he hasn't taken a mark for over two games now. Yeah, so, yeah. No, I, I thought, and it's like, you know, I think he had something like 46 taps or something like that. But it doesn't, it doesn't mean much because they have 46. Sixty-one, did he? Sixty-one to twenty-nine hitouts. Well, the sixty-one hitouts could have gone to anybody, and that could have been directed more to them than us. I mean, I remember a couple where he hit a clean ball straight to them. So, look, he would be. I'd hate to be uh, playing trying to shark him because you know he just he just. I don't know. He doesn't know where he's hitting the bloody thing. He just hits it. It's it's just a it's just a one-dimensional ruckman, Mac. We've oh, very much. So many times. Uh, he hits it to areas of convenience. He doesn't have any awareness of where his players are. I, I don't feel like we have great structures around him, but which doesn't help, but by the same token, he seems to be very good at putting it down the throats of opposition. I think, who was it that he ch- chucked one down their throat at one stage? It might have been Warner or someone. Warner, it was Warner, yeah. It was, it was a thing of beauty, except it was the wrong Guernsey. Yeah, because we're the one that took it at top pace. <laughs> yeah. Um, contested possessions were even. Uh, uncontested possessions, we had a little bit more on the outside. Um, 
you know, it felt to me, Mac, like I said earlier, that we played a really tight kind of game. We looked we looked um, anxious and we looked uh, slow as a consequence and we were chasing tail for most of the two and a half quarters. Um, and as soon as we started getting the ball on the outside, Sydney couldn't go with us because the game was no longer compressed. And I, I just feel like either the players were anxious or it was a game plan issue, but... I just think there was a wrong vibe around the club for for most for the most of the week. We didn't have any dairy in the first two and a half quarters, Fain, in the sense, you know, like uh, when 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 we were really attacking and we we're moving the ball sideways and and players running to open spaces, that that wasn't happening, and there was there was too much kicking to contest, and uh, and we were losing most of those contests, and um, so uh, for the first half, as you said, I. It was like we were a little bit overawed by the occasion, rather than anything. There was not very, there was very little system at all in the first half, and it started to pick up a little bit in the second uh, half. And towards the second half of that third quarter, I, you could see we were starting to play the type of football we should have been trying to play right from the word go, because you know it had good method in it, and we and it got uh, past them quite easily, and we got into into our forward fifty quite easily, and. And we're always dangerous when we get there. Um, we're always going to get a crack, probably a lot of points, but we're going to have a chance. But, um, yeah, I thought we, we actually didn't play our game properly in the first half at all. I thought we played a very limited uh, safety game with very little attacking in it. Well, it was a very defensive game. At, at stages we saw Isaac Rankin deep in defence and, uh, you know, we just couldn't get the ball forward. Uh, we couldn't transition the ball from one end to the other. We We... Uh, were outnumbered across our half-forward line a number of times because we'd pushed so many back um, that players weren't running. And that's, again, when you've got a when you've got a, a snail-like uh, midfield, you're not going to get those runners. You're not going to get players streaming through. And it's been a feature of our season, Macca, that when we do run, it's usually generated by our half-back line. You know, Mitch Hinge and, and Wayne Miller in particular, Chase Jones when he was playing. You know, it's those blokes that are doing the running, not our midfielders. I have to agree. I have to agree. And uh, we, we miss Jones. Jones used to give us a, a lot of drive because Jones was also one that would also... He, he was a very good player for getting the ball, taking off and changing the angle, which is one... and. Um, Miller is another guy that does it well. But yep. we do miss Jones. Jones was doing it very well. Yep. Um, Marks, 59 to 53. It wasn't a dry night. T- 10 to 7 inside, 50. 5 to 11 contested. Uh, pretty s- uh, similar in the intercepts, and intercepts, I should say. Tackles fairly uh, even. Tackles inside, 50, fairly even. Um, <laughs> Sydney had seven bounces. I reckon five of those were Blakey. It seemed to be the only bloke that could bounce a damn thing. Um, so, you know, team-wise, there's not a lot to take out of that, really, um, in terms of where there might have been um, an advantage, um, except for the fact that we had a little bit more on the outside, which was probably late in the game. Well, yeah, uh, there was a quite a, you know, I think one of the turning points in the game actually was Pedler coming onto the ground and getting rid of Sloan because, I mean, um, Pedler, Pedler was, I thought he was quite aggressive the way he was tackling it and the ball and the play. And that, I thought uh, he, he he came out with the attitude that 
I should never have been on the bench, but I'm going to show you. And I, I really did love the way he came, came and uh, the way he attacked things. And, and I, I thought he, he's one of the people that got us moving. Well, I mean, I don't think he needed motivation. He plays like that every week, mate. Yeah, I thought he just there was a little bit of extra grunt in him. In him, he, I thought, yeah, some of some of his stuff was really outstanding. I thought, in terms of physically. Yeah, no doubt, no doubt, and you know, it seems to be a, a, this standing rhetoric that he doesn't have a tank. Um, that's all well and good, but you're playing for four quarters, and like, if you can, if you if you can manage Matt Crouch for sixty five percent time on ground then surely you can do it for Lukey Peddler. Yep, I agree. I agree. Um, so, you know, not a lot to uh, take out of that. Let's have a look at the um, at the team stats. Laird, again, 31 touches, 9 in kicks, 12 handles, 10 tackles, uh, 15 contested possessions. Look, um, I think a good game is a workhorse. Yep. The trouble is we had two of them. Yeah. And I think that's where the imbalance is. You can have either Crouch or Laird, you can't have both. Yeah, no, I think that's fair. Uh, Jake Saligo, I thought, was our best. 28 disposals, 17 and 11, four tackles, 12 contested possessions. As mentioned, I just felt like he, particularly in the first half when the chips were down, he seemed to be the, the only one in our side that was being aggressive at the ball and taking the ball fairly cleanly um, and using it. Uh, I thought it was probably Jake Saligo's, or easily Jake Saligo's best game for the club. Best game for the club and best for the, uh, game for the uh, for the Crows on the day. Yep, absolutely. Uh, Matt Crouch, twenty six, uh, eight kicks, eighteen handballs. I, I thought he, I thought he used the ball very well though when he had it. I think I thought a lot of those handballs were very good handballs, and a couple of them were were attacking handballs as well. Yeah. Four score involvements, Mac. Four score involvements. Um, 200 metres gained. Um, six clearances, four in the middle from 16 centre bounds to 10. So he certainly wasn't our worst. No, look, at, I, look you know, he's only there 63% of the game. I, I thought he, um, I agree with you, it's not a good mix, but I, I thought that uh, he he was reasonable. The trouble is, on a wet night, Matt, you and I both know that on a wet night it's all about territory. Yep. And when you've got a midfielder getting it 26 times and only using it by foot eight times, that's not getting you a lot of... That's not getting you a lot of territory, right? No, but but I do I'll still say that he, some of his handballs were good uh, to players running past and... Um, uh, he, he plays a certain way. He doesn't pick himself. The coach picks him, so any criticism's got to be directed at the coach, not him. I can still be unhappy with the way he plays. <laughs> yeah, but it's not his fault. You have to blame the coach for picking oh, he's, him. No, he's, play, he's playing a certain way. So, right. I mean, yes, I don't think he should be selected, but he's you, on you the know he, and he needs, he needs to use the ball by foot more than eight times out of 26. But you know what you're going to get before you pick him. Well, we do. It doesn't seem like the coaches do. Anyway, Smith, uh, 25 dispose, disposals, 21 and 4. Uh, six contested possessions, 17 uncontested possessions. Uh, most of his work done across half-back. 
He had, uh, let's have a look, five score involvements, um, seven uncontested marks. He 666 metres gained. He had seven inside 50s, six rebound 50s. Um, yeah. I mean, it was probably uh, uh, an average game by Smith by his 2023 standards. Um, it's about what we get from him now. Um, yeah. So uh, I don't think we'll get better than that. No, that's right. Uh, Miller had 21 touches, uh, 12 and 9, 3 touches, like 5. Um, yeah, I, yeah. yeah. Um, that's, he, I, I didn't he like did, this game either. He, tried, he, he at least tried to be creative, and he was one of the few that did. Agreed. Uh, five rebound 50s, two inside 50s, um, 340 metres gained and four score involvements. Um, you know, he's he's one of the, he's been one of the movers off our half-back line over the last month, and I, I don't mind his form at the moment. No, he's had a good month. Good month. Uh, Dawson has uh, certainly not been the beneficiary of having two crabs next to him. Uh, 19 disposals, 12 and 7. Uh, tackles, 7 contested, contested possessions. Um, he had um, only the one turnover, um, seven score involvements, uh, three sixty nine meters gained, four, four, uh, four clearances from twenty three centre bounce attendances. Uh, yeah, he had, what else have we got here? He had Mills tagging in, yeah, and you know, Mills knows his game inside out, and he just stuck to him like glue all game. And uh, you know, I think Dawson. But his game was restricted by that by being tagged. Um, but but he still did. I mean, he, a lot of players wouldn't even get those that number of possessions when you we got a, a tagger like Mills on you. So it just shows his quality. But it certainly restricted his ability to contribute towards our towards the, the team as a whole. Do you think Dawson gets tagged if we don't have two crabs next to him? <laughs> well, it makes it easier to tag him, doesn't it? Of course it does. Is anyone ever going to tag Matt Crouch or Rory Sloan, uh, Rory Laird, let alone Rory Sloan? Yeah, no, Rory uh, Laird has been tagged a couple of times, yes. A couple of times in his 200-and-something game career. No, I'm talking about this season. No. This season, he, he has, definitely. No, not since Dawson's been in the midfield. Uh, he, he, seriously, he has been tagged twice this year. Not, not since Dawson's been in the midfield. I know he's been tagged twice as him. I had him in my dream team, and I know what he get when, when he when he tagged when he a big difference in his score. Round one and two. But they know that Rabbit said he was t- tagged a few times earlier in the year. He was, but he was yeah. he started he started playing the sparkling form, and so a couple of times they put a tag on him. Uh, Ranking eighteen disposal six and twelve uh, four tackles fourteen contested possessions from Isaac. Um, as we mentioned, spent a lot of time away from the goals, um, which is, you know, I, I, what are we using him for at the moment, Mac? Yeah, I, I agree with you. It's a bit of this and a bit of that. Um, no specific seemingly role at the moment. Um, I thought he was quite useful uh, and I thought he had a reasonable game, but, um, yeah, he's he playing a little bit further away from goal a, a lot and, but he's not playing through the midfield. Um, he, he's that dangerous around the goal. It's not funny. So um, 
you know, you give him, it was not only did he kick one freak goal, he kicked a freak goal that wasn't allowed because the ball was allegedly out of bounds as well. So, and may well have been, I don't know. Um, but, okay, yeah, anyway, I think, you know, he, he plays on the ball and will have a run on the ball now and again, but when he's up there, he'll be very close to the goal, in my opinion, because he's just that dangerous. Yeah, I don't know whether he's necessarily running on the ball or whether he's providing an extra high up the ground. That's what know. they were using him as, yeah. That's what they were. Okay. And But it leaves you that, that player short up forward. To me, again, like Nick, one of Nix's tactics has been to play a half-forwards very high, Mac. And to me, again, that's covering up for the fact that we don't have a dynamic midfield that moves. Correct. You know, and as a consequence, we lack... And I think, you know, when I'm thinking about it, is that why maybe the ball tends to bounce out of our forward lines very quickly? Because we have yeah, quality crummers there? Well, we're usually one short uh, thing because we do play that that, that player yeah. very, very high up and sometimes even uh, right up to half back. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, it's... it's... It's That's why sometimes it comes out. It's, yeah. I, I don't it's, like it, actually. No, it's robbing Peter to pay Paul, isn't it? Um, and it relies very heavily on our tools to take marks and keep the ball in the area. But, you know, gone are the days of having Eddie Betts at Texas feet, right? Yep. I agree. Um, but, yeah, we, we're usually playing one short up forward and... and other player, uh, R forward going up high and sometimes going onto the ball as well. And but it backfires if you if you can't run in waves going towards the goals. You have to be if you're forced to do it slowly uh, or or just kick it long without any uh, ability to kick it to advantage. Well, you're dicking, you're, you're going to miss out because you're one short. Yeah, and that's the thing. You got ranking up so high that he's either get the one getting it in or is the one that's been in the chain to get it in and he's nowhere near where he needs to be to, to grab a crumb. Anyway, uh, Mitchie Hinge, it was just good to have Mitch on the park after that uh, little hyper-extension last week. Um, yeah, seemed to be hampered. Uh, 16 disposals, 13 and 3. Uh, seven contested possessions. Uh, what else did he have? He had about 372 metres gained, uh, six rebound 50s. Certainly wasn't our worst. Um, but certainly not as com- conspicuous as he's been over the last month. No, he was dominant last. Uh, he's been dominant for quite a few weeks, and so. But you know, I think it's slightly restricted by his knee soreness, and uh, but I thought, you know, it was still handy. Yeah. Um, Benny Keys. Um, oh, sorry, Lucky Murphy. Sixteen disposals. Uh, a bit of a mixed bag. Some of his stuff was good. <laughs> well, I can only call it what you see. And, and look, I thought some of his stuff was good. So he, he doesn't do enough. Um, but I'll tell you one thing, he's very brave. He is brave. Yeah, we say that every week, Mac. Uh, everyone knows he's brave and he tries. We don't need to repeat that every week. The problem the problem is that he's taking the spot of someone that could be more dynamic and more skillful. Um, I don't mind what Lockie Murphy brings to the table. He's not an AFL A-grade footballer. Simple as that. Oh, well, he, he, I think he is, but he's not a, not a high-level one. No. Uh, same with Ben Keys. 
Just a game, yeah. Fifteen touches, five and ten. Yeah, just a game. Yeah. Well, it wasn't just a game. It was a horrific game. Ben Keys did not one touch a ball until Rankin threw in the ball to take that shot at goal at the end. Sorry? Sorry? What was that? What were you saying? Ben Keys, ben Keys did not one touch a ball until, oh, one Rankin touch. In, until Rankin threw in the ball to take that kick at the end. Oh, yeah, okay. I thought you were saying you know, he had one, hadn't had a touch before. Um, no, he, he he didn't take the ball that cleanly. He had a lot. Of, he really did have the fumbles. Fifteen disposals, ten turnovers. Yeah, shocking kick. Well, and he kicked it five times. He had ten turnovers. Not good. No, he wasn't good. You're very, very, very reticent to to. Bag your little love childs, aren't you? Uh, Schoenberg, 15 yeah. disposals, 7 and 8. Uh, three Hang tackles, on. 4 contested possessions. Um, uh, wasted on the wing, in my opinion. Um, and he's not my love child. Oh, Harry. No, I know. Uh, 255 no. metres gained. Hey. Uh, three tackles. Uh, I, I just felt like it was a waste for Harry to be on the wing. It just... He couldn't get himself into the game. He's not a wingman. Well, I thought his first three quarters were good, thing. Yeah, he, he dropped out of the last quarter, but I thought his first three quarters were good. Well, they were good when he got the agate, but he didn't get the agate much. He only had two disposals in the first quarter. He had five touches in the second, seven in the third, and only one in the last. He just couldn't get around it. Yeah, I suppose that isn't a lot. Uh I thought, you know, but I thought he looked very dashing every time he got it. You know, so, oh, 100%. Um, he was just so being he, played in the wrong position. I agree with you. He, I was amazed he didn't get a CBA. He should have. Ridiculous. Um, of the rest, uh, Max, Michael Lanny, 15 touches, 8 and 7, didn't do too bad. Keane looked a little bit uh, frazzled at times. Um Probably the most under pressure I've seen since he's been in the ones. Uh, yeah, how I did agree. you see his game? Yeah, look, I thought well, I do like the guy. Um, it was the most pressure he's been in there, and a couple of times he got caught out. But he doesn't give up. That's one thing I do like about him. He doesn't give up. And yeah, um, I actually saw him a couple of times when he got beaten for position. He actually stopped and berated himself instead of staying in the game? Well, I don't think he could... You know, yeah, he's, he's a bit of a novice in the game. He, he's uh, he only played a handful of games, about five, I think it was, for Collingwood and whatever he's played for us. And so, yeah, he's only going to get better. That's what I, I... I think he's got the ability to get better and I reckon he'll turn into a very good player, you know, when he gets a lot underneath his belt. He's, he's still in the learning stage. Yeah, don't disagree. Uh, Josh Rochelle, as I mentioned before, I think Josh has to have a good, la- good, long, hard look at how he's playing the game of football at the moment. Uh, he was scrappy by by foot, and he's been scrappy by foot for quite a while now. But he's just trying to pull off kicks that, like, he tried to pull off a kick. Uh, on Saturday night, that the conditions just didn't warrant Macca. He's not doing the one percenters. He's not doing the 
high percentage stuff. He's doing the flashy uh, highlight reel stuff, in my opinion. And I just, I think some of that is because he's being played off the half forward flank and having to be opportunistic. Um, I just want to see him grit his teeth and be an AFL footballer rather than a specky highlight reel. Summed up well there, Pete. Agree with all of that. Okay, uh, Shane McAdam uh, was quiet, only 12 touches, 8 and 4, one, um, uh, one goal, uh, although seven tackles mostly up forward wasn't bad. Um, I felt like it was going to be Shane's night, you know, that sort of those sort of conditions. Mm. Uh, I just felt like he was going to be the wild card, um, but it didn't eventuate. Uh, in the way the game was played for two and a half quarters, uh, well, you know, he certainly didn't get a lot of opportunities then. But uh, I thought, I thought he was uh, for the opportunities he got, he did okay. He, he, like I thought he competed very well, but not a lot. Of, he didn't get all that many opportunities. I didn't take. Mm. Um, we've spoken about him. He was quite good when he came on, and, and certainly had an impact. Uh, I really like driving it. the ball forward through through congestion. He just doesn't take no for an answer, does he, mate? Oh, I loved it. Absolutely loved it. You know, if they all played like Peter, we wouldn't get beat. But like that, that intensity that he showed that in, that in that half, I loved it every bit of it. Yeah. Uh, Tex was quiet. Darcy was terribly quiet. Um, yeah, very very ordinary game from Tex. I thought. Well, I mean, again, wet night. You don't expect a lot from your tall players. And I think, again, you know, a tactical error that we didn't have enough smalls uh, up at the goalface, Macca. Yeah, and because in fairness to you, you're quite right. With wet ball, it's not a forward's... Uh, it doesn't like a forward's going to feast on it. Uh, look, Texas has got good football IQ, as I said, and, and he'll always get, get something. Um, he... Uh, he certainly did better than Fogarty, who I thought was disappointed in Fog, and and I thought that Phil thought was absolutely disgraceful. Yeah, um, you know, I'm just happy that it's a development year, and uh, we've gotten games into Riley. Um, you know, you saw Luke McDonald, who was his uh, his. Um, compatriot in that draft also have a pretty average night and Luke's been in, in and out of games uh, Logan sorry I should say been in and out of games um, as well during the course of the year um, but three possessions three three possessions yeah I know I know I know um, but there again I mean we played three tools up forward plus McAdam we did on a wet night that isn't smart. <laughs> that isn't no, smart. We were, tall down, we were tall down back. We were slow in the midfield. And we were tall up forward playing our, our small forwards high. You tell me that's, if that's a good tactic on a wet night. I have to admit, very poor tactic. Yeah, very poor structure for a wet night. That said, I mean, Riley hasn't had the year I, I think he would have hoped. Um, he's shown flashes and... Um, you know, at times he like his hands look really good. Um, his kicking's kicking for goals been terribly disappointing. The goal that he missed 
uh, was a gimme straight out in front 40 should hit them every time um, he needs to have a big off season Mako in my opinion next next That's year it. I think next year is the year that um, people are going to start having reasonable expectations of him yeah can't argue that either thing um Worrell did what he had to do, wasn't outdone by any stretch. Riley O'Brien, I think, was kind of hopeless, um, really. Unco. Uh, Sloan, we've spoken about, shouldn't have been played. Borlace probably don't shouldn't think have been played either. Don't think he's going to be good enough, thing. Really don't oh, think he's going to be no, good enough. I don't think anyone thinks he's going to be anything more than, than a break-glass type of player. I mean... You know, he he looks like he should be an AFL footballer, but he's I don't think he's agile enough. He certainly hasn't got the tank. You know, he's struggled in both games for to run the four quarters out. Um, you know, he's tried really hard and he hasn't done a huge amount wrong. Um, but I reckon if he if he had a permanent spot, opposition teams would be going through his play quite a bit. I reckon. Yeah, I reckon. Yeah, look, somebody said in the in the chat that he looks ferocious immediately. He does actually. He he always looks like he's out at you know. I I, I don't know that he'll get a contract thing. Um, no. Would you? you get... it, it, uh, would I give him a contract? Uh, no, I wouldn't. I, I'm saying no. Yeah. Um... We can do that. The, only thing, the only thing the only thing that keeps him on the list for mine is our issues with Murray and Butts and Duday. We've got two long term injuries down back. If we lose another one, we're gonna need him. So I'd probably keep him on this year. Well I I'd, I'd probably I would, rookie him. Um yeah. But it still takes up a spot on the list. Um, yeah, I know it I know it does. But And but I reckon that they'll be whether it be Cox or whether it be somebody else, I reckon they'll be. They did sort of uh, throw out a bit of a hint that they'll be looking for. They said that the emphasis originally was on a midfielder, but the emphasis now on looking for somebody down back, and that they reckon they will get somebody to put down back. If they do, um, well then uh, I wouldn't keep Borlaitz. Well, I think that's probably a given. Well, I'm talking as it stands at the moment. As it stands at the moment. Our list. I think we still need um, Borlase there um, because of the injuries that we've got. But if they decide to uh, bring in someone else, then uh, at least with Borlase, you know what you're going to get. Uh, we've seen what we're going to get now. Um, he's not completely unreliable. I just think his physical attributes limit him, to be honest. Um, so if we get someone else in, then yeah, that's the end of him. Mm. So look, you know that's the uh, that's the long and the short of it. We're out of the game for 2023, um, and we've got a week to go, Mac. And uh, it'll be West Coast, and we'll probably go over there and get snotted as well, because I got about 600 retirements and all the rest of it. And they're actually playing half decent football. Not that we're not, um, but we just shut the bet against Sydney, in my opinion. Yeah, look, we and we look. We could have and should have beaten a very good side in Sydney, and I think we will win. Um, and, you know, it's the last game for the year, so I would think that our players would at least um, 
do the right thing and give it a hundred percent because you know um, there's no tomorrow. I mean, it'll be they'll play next week and then then it's uh, how goes swimming. You know, it's going to be summer for them, but there's going to be no finals. And, and look, you know, I mean, the clubs come out and said, you know, we'll turn our attention to our next game and all the rest of it. You could excuse the players from being very, very flat after what happened on Saturday night. Very flat. Oh, and I think they would be, but I think they're more resilient than we are, Ben. Um, as supporters, as supporters, I mean, they, they go to training, they've got to do this, they've got to do that. We sit there doing nothing. And we think, gee, we're cheated and we just get angry again and it all just regurgitates in our minds again and we'd like to get that goal umpire and kick his ass or whatever we want to do. Um, but I think the players, that they, you know, sometimes they get thrashed on the ground and then and they have to get up the next week and they do. So I, I think they'll bounce back all right. They'll, they'll yeah, but this get is, together. This is season over. This isn't a, a situation of dust yourself off and get ready for next week. This is season done. I understand that, and I think that if I was in that position, I'd be that angry. I'd like to go out with a real big burst just to show everybody we should have been in the bloody finals. I'd like to go out, out with pick six instead of pick nine. Well, I, there was a sneaky part of me that 100% agrees with you, Fiend, but whether the players see it that way, I don't know. But look, uh, Well, I don't think the players need to see it that way. I think I think the club needs to be pragmatic about this. Look, I agree with you. I agree with you. I would be quite okay if they dropped quite a few regulars and said they they got the bruised, injured, uh, sore, whatever they all, the excuses they use, and and bring in four or five young lads having uh, just to make it possible to lose. I, I'd I'd much prefer to have pick six. Well, I mean. There's only one reason why he takes Tex over there, and that's for the Coleman. So I can understand them taking Tex. There's yeah. absolutely no reason to take Rory Sloan. None. None whatsoever. Well, I think playing Rory enhances the West Coast chances, doesn't it? But, well, yeah, but what I'm saying is there's no reason for them to take Sloan over. There's no, no reason. Like, they could at least put... Um, I, I would be putting a Gallant in for Fogarty, who's had a pretty dirty second half yeah. of the year. Happy with that. I'd be I'd be bringing in Dowling for Sloan. Yeah, happy with that. And and probably subbing him and having starting Peddler on the ground. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So a couple more. Yeah, yeah. Well, Braden Cook probably needs to come in, as Vardy says on the chat. Yeah. I'd say and I'd like Curvis and then Curvis for Borlase maybe. Yeah, from Dunkirk and in for Borlase, yep. Um, yeah, Cook for Murphy's good call, Dark Lord. Yeah, no, I'm quite happy. Uh, I, as you say, I, I'd much rather have the pick six, man, um, because it's, there's, you know, okay, we get another win against our name, but that, if we win, but that means nothing, absolutely nothing, because we, um, we're not going to play finals. And so well, this, there's draft no, isn't very, this draft isn't very deep. The club made a decision to try and shoot for finals instead of getting games into the kids in the right spots. That hasn't panned out. We may as well try and get something out of this season. And if a three-pick bump is what we get out of it into into the meaningful part of this draft, which drops yep. away at about seven or eight, then we may as well do it. 
totally agree. Totally agree, man. I'm, I'm all for it. Uh, and my, you know, you might say we're tanking. I'd say that we're planning for the future. And that said, the club won't do it. <laughs> <laughs> no, I know. I know. They won't. The club they won't. won't. Go out on a high. They won't, You know, every win's a good win, blah, 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 uh, because we're very one-dimensional in our thinking and, uh, you know, we sure as hell don't need another good midfield kid uh, or a draft pick that we can bargain with. So uh, we'll go and beat West Coast by 10 goals probably. Yes, yes. And, and, you know, I wonder whether West Coast are ruining the fact that they won that game now. No, well, I think that I think they already knew that Harley Reid didn't want to come to West Coast, and they were probably going to have a Jason Horn Francis situation on their hands, and uh, yeah. decided bugger it, we don't care, we'll, we'll, we'll take pick three or whatever it ends up being. Yeah, well, that's fair enough. Then. But I know you and I, if we were selected, we would tank, uh, and we do it by just cho- just choosing young lads and giving them a, a an opportunity and. Probably not being strong enough to win the game, um, and uh, everybody would be happy. But I, I would bet money the club won't do that. Yeah, as Dag says, just focus our whole game on getting Tex fifteen goals to beat Kerno, who's been kissed on the ass by the umpire fairy this season. I must say. What Tex? No, Kerno. Oh, Kerno! Oh, shit! They love him. They absolutely love him. So, all right, um, we've got one to go this season before we have a little rest uh, leading up to the trade and draft period. So we will be back next Sunday night, Macker, all things being well. Yeah, and I hope that we don't have to go through a situation where we'd like to get somebody and kick their ass and call them names and all the rest of it. And, and we it don't feel like... Now, does it? If something, uh... happened, it'd, if something happened, it'd just be laughable. Well, it would now. Yeah, now it would matter. Yeah. Look, thanks to everyone. Uh, we've had a great uh, audience on YouTube tonight. Thanks to everyone who's joined us on YouTube. And thanks also to everyone who's joined us on Discord, particularly Gatesy and Patrick and um, Goodfella and Arab for coming in and, and sharing your views. We love it when people get interactive. Um, stick with us. We've got one more to go after the West Coast game. And uh, that should be a good one either way. Until then, have a good week, everyone. Have a good week, Macca. Yep. Good night, all. Good night, guys. Catch you later.